All right, we got no guests. We got zero guests tonight. Yep, we, we got, got zero guests. And news? We, we ain't got no news either. Fuck it. Nope. What's, what's news? Battle for Zendikar came out and people were playing it. There we <laughs> yep. go. So, even if William's not here, Commander Cast is going to happen. Yeah, and granted, this is kind of a surprise, last-minute, toss-together thing with me and you, because we're old guys, and we don't play standard, and we're not trying to go out. You know, my back hurts. I'm pretty sure your feet are sore. (laughs) We're going to sit here, and we're going to tell kids to get off our lawn as we talk about our ramping. I'm down with that. screwed over today because of that. And technology. So, I think that we're, we got a little Commander Cast connection there. It's tenuous. Tenuous at best. Hello everybody and welcome to Commander Cast episode 218. We are your weekly source for community, strategy, and technology, and we're hosted on ntgcast.com and our home site, commandercast.com. We are recording tonight on October 2nd of 2015. My name is Calvin. I'm also known as Captain Redson on the internet, and if you're hearing the sound of my voice at the beginning of the episode, then that just means that tonight, William is not available. We typically record on Thursdays, but, you know, circumstances occur recently. Battle for Zendigar has kind of taken hold of our trusted leader and forced him down into a well of Friday night magic pack opening. But you know what? I'm an old man and I don't really do Friday nights anymore. I prefer to like sit back home and soak my feet on Fridays because I'm kind of old and decrepit. Like the Danny Glover of Commander Cast, if you will. I'm black and I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Best best Commander Cast analogy ever. Yep. Uh now hold on, man. That does not make me old Mel Gibson. I don't want to be the old racist, sexist drunk of Commander Cast. Like we're not gonna go that way. Although I kind of would take that like '80s mullet he had, not for not for like a regular rocking, but like maybe just once in a while. Okay. So, like, what if we did like a cutoff point? It's like you know, what if we like just cut them, like you know, did like a, a even split down the middle? It's like yes, we're gonna take the oldness, but you get the mullet, but we get to leave out the racism because you took a, took the age. I'm good. I'm good with that. If we could cut it, like, if we could cut it, like, right after Road Warrior. Yeah, like, cut it just, just shy. Like right just there. Off. I don't know, man. Like, I want to say Braveheart, because that Braveheart moment is fucking spectacular. But I feel like that was probably the time when he was, like, still crazy extra racist. He might have always been crazy extra racist, but... but... That's right about the point when, like, the Sugar Tits comet would have came in. Yeah, that's what I feel like. You know what I mean? So we got to yeah. back up before he was like you, you, Mr. You'd Fancy be Director. You a little bit too much if you're going for Braveheart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I want like, like I don't know, Thunderdome era, like you know, Mad Max, Mel Gibson. I think that's what we're looking for. Yep. And uh, for our regular Commander Cast listeners, you already know who that is. That's our good co-host, Mark. Yeah. Mark? Go ahead. Not the racist Mel Gibson, Mark. I don't know yeah. if that that's not non-racist. as cool as a catchphrase. Um, like, I'll take it. Non-racist, Mark. I'll go, I'll go with that. I'm good with that. I'm good with not racist, Mark. Not, not That's racist, way not better. Racist. That's so. way better. Yeah. yeah. And so what's up, man? Not much. Let's see here. 
typically we would have like a third guest here. Potentially it would be either a third co-host like Clay, or we'd have somebody like Cassidy or maybe Eric from somewhere else. But you know what? It's Friday night, and most of them are out playing Magic or hosting their own events and whatever the case may be. But that's okay, because we're the grumpy old men of other the Undercast. We, we don't waste time playing with other formats. We've got 100-card decks to shuffle up. And by the time we would have gotten a chance to finish shuffling up most of our decks, they'd probably be done with their first round anyway. So we decided to take this night. We're going to sit back. We're going to record an episode for you. And we're going to do what we can to avoid needing a dangly bit episode. <laughs> Because no, we know how no you love those. Yep. Yeah. No, this is a no dangle zone, except for the end of the show where it is a dangle zone, and then you get your dangles. Let's see here. So as far as news is concerned, there is no news. We don't really have anything to really discuss. The closest thing I can even we could even think of prior to this was the Band of Whales over on MTG Salvation. It's there somewhere. We couldn't find it because we're old. We don't know how to operate the internet, and. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm not. I feel like I'm really gonna drive that old gimmick in. <laughs> Man, I mean, I think we're already driving it home by recording a. Like we're talking about magic on the internet on a Friday night. So yeah, <laughs> like, like all the implications, all the everything about being old. It's it's in there, man. Like yeah, yeah. But yeah, but yeah. If you head over to MTG Salvation, they're having a poll over there involving like uh, what would you believe would be some really good community-based band cards. The poll itself mostly looks very, very similar to what the current commander ban list looks like. But the whale, the great whale, or giant whale, is a great whale? It's a great whale. Great whale. It's a great whale. Yeah. Ban the so, whales, man. It's not, it's only so, going on until October 15th. So, yeah, so you, you only know, have time, so many time, you only have so much time left, listeners, to ban the whales. Yeah, so we've only got like maybe by the time you hear this a week. And by the time we get a chance to talk with William, and actually hear his opinion about it, the will option of banning will be gone completely. So take with that as you will. Do with that information as you would like. Let's see. What's our weekly schedule look like? On Monday, we get Commander Cast Prime. Commander Cast Prime typically involves, you know, what you're listening to now and two other people. And that's our weekly episodic show. It's updated every Monday. And if you're listening to us on CommanderCast.com, hey, what's going on? Thanks for coming over and downloading us directly and getting the newest Commander Cast content you could get. But if you don't have time, I understand. Life gets busy. You probably listen to us from MTG Cast, in which case you're about a week behind. Understandable, but hey, you know, still good for clicking that link. Thanks. We enjoy it and we really appreciate it. Tuesdays is where Journey to Somewhere and Deck Builder Spotlight goes. Now, this week on Tuesday, there is no Journey to Anywhere. The Journey to Somewhere hasn't happened. Oh, you're type, okay, you're running up out of time to ban I thought you were telling me through the thing that I was running out of time to do something. <laughs> you, you are running out of time. We literally have nothing else to do with our Friday, but you are fucking running out of time, man. Like, like Mark, and I thought Mark was like putting me out of time for four seconds. Like, Calvin, hurry up, because I gotta go take a, I gotta, uh, I gotta make a sabbatical. Like, okay, okay, fine. No, man, come on. We we've, we've rehearsed the, the new this is the new subtle cue that I have to go to the bathroom is Calvin. I must urinate. Yeah, that's it. That's what it is. So I didn't say that. You're good. We got all the time in the world, man. Come on, we're like in our 30s and it's Friday night. What the fuck else are we gonna do? Nothing. Exactly. So let's see. So on Tuesday, there's journey to somewhere. We haven't really gotten a new journey to somewhere yet because William has. Currently still ran into some technical difficulties with his ability to send his shows over to me through the Dropbox. 
And but that's okay because there's also a deck builder spotlight. Mark, have you recorded any deck builder spotlights lately? I am not. I am horrible, man. I actually, I, I am in. Not that anyone really cares. Um, but for those of you who are waiting for some new deck builder spotlights, I am in the unique position of having now so many requests for deck builder spotlights. I have to set up a, a separate Google Calendar to arrange all the deck builder spotlights. That's my job for tomorrow. So I got to get back to some people, and I, I have, last I counted, up uh, twelve different people lined up for it so mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing so, man so don't get me wrong the deck builder spotlight has taken a slight hiatus but don't worry it will be back fast and furious like vin diesel but currently filling in the tuesday spot thing is how there is no journey to somewhere and there is no deck builder spotlight for tomorrow there will be an episode of a podcast for your listening pleasure that will be available to you it involves myself and two other people whose names begin with the letter c if you're a long-time Commander Cast listener, you might be of interest. If you're a newer Commander Cast listener, you might be extensively bored. I can't really tell exactly how you're going to take that information. A lot of you out there who have been long-time listeners to the show will know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you have access to Facebook and you know me and these other two individuals whose name also starts with C, chances are you may have already have heard of the information because one of them decided to just post the information on Facebook. Clay! Wait, no. damn, wrong C. Wrong, yes, he is an individual whose name does start with C, but he is not involved with this particular, um, hmm, what's another word? What's Enterprise? The word? No, no. Endeavor? There we go. He, like, yes, Clay's name begins with C, but he is not particular, he is not involved in this particular endeavor. But I will inform you that this particular endeavor does involve a lot of wrestling content being discussed, a very minimal amount of magic and potentially some weird swearing, some drinking, and a lot of discussion about another additional card game that does not have anything to do with magic. I'm going to label this Super Secret Mystery Show for Tuesday. Yep. And let's see. On Wednesday, we have Strategy. And Strategy is typically Grandpa Growth, Eric, usually running off and telling everybody about the various things that he's come up with, some extensively amazing articles. I have no idea exactly what he's currently got planned and cooked up in there at the moment because I, I haven't had a chance to check the site. I got you covered, man. Eric is currently running a series. Uh, his in-general series is co- cooking back up, and he's looking at individual colors uh, last week or a couple, couple oh, yeah. of days ago, from now you guys are, are hearing this. Um, he ran over white. So some important white cards. Let's see. Next week is going to be important blue cards, um, which probably, in Grandpa Gross' opinion, is all the blue cards. Um, yeah, all of them. Just, just all the blue cards. Uh, then we're going to go through the rest of them. Not necessarily in Woo, in or maybe it is Wooberg order. I guess that would be true. Yeah, because blue would come right next after white for Wooberg. Yeah, it's, it's amazing sad how... that I just realized that. It's fucking sad that I just realized that. So <laughs> like, it's amazing how that works, right? <laughs> yeah, like, if, if, oh if, my if god! All the color pie and clockwise. <laughs> he good. has arranged this in this incredibly concise order. Whoever could have thought of that? I'm, like, I'm pretty sure somebody in Wizards could have made some money if they'd have done it correctly. Yeah. Hmm. This is the kind of order. This is the kind of order arrangement that could have gotten somebody a promotion. Dun dun dun. Yep. And then hopefully, you know, later on in the week, I mean, Thursday is usually the stack, or we've got uh, Rivals Duel up. Sometimes we'll have some free-for-all articles. Um, I don't want to talk out of turn, but there may be a returning Commander Cast favorite coming back with an article pretty soon. Um, and then I've actually had some interest from some um, some guest writers here and there. Uh, you know, we had Matt Robb coming out with some some hot Horde tech. Man, I just love, you know what, we should just do a Horde, art, horde tech 
just segment. I don't think we've talked about Horde enough, Calvin. I know yeah, you man. and me play Horde. I don't know if anybody else does, but goddamn, I love that format. Right. Horde is amazing. Horde is probably, like, if I had to, like, put a ranking on my favorite casual formats, Commander would be, like, number one. Horde would be, like, a very close second. Mm-hmm. Oh, and listeners, if you can hear high-pitched screaming in the background, that's just the return of, of my wife and her drunken friends. So Woo-hoo, don't, don't mind that. Drunken in the house. It's Hello, um, like, the captain's around. I've got fireball, <laughs> cinnamon whiskey. Right now, what you may be hearing is the the end of a girl's night out. So, uh. or the beginning, depending on how things go. If Mark vanishes in the middle of the show, then we both know exactly what occurred. I must and, urinate, but not really urinate. And I will, be, and I will just sit here extensively jealous and continue on within his. Well, actually, no, I couldn't continue on in your absence because you're the one with the recorder. The show would just die. <laughs> the, ca- the show would, the show would just, just be, I just leave the microphone on, you just hear vague, muffled noises in the background. It's fine. I'm sure that makes for great radio. Or- and clapping. <laughs> oh, oh Every- man. It seems like everything I say, Mark is just giving me applause. And his oohs and ahs coming from all the women in the audience. <sighs> Another week goes by. Another opportunity for five-star ratings on iTunes <laughs> passes us by. <laughs> Yep. But that's okay. Uh, let's see. Friday, we usually have the uh, technology segment, or we have something from Squirecast. And that is the our brothers from Down Under coming up with various comments and various articles or discussions, typically a podcast on average. Uh, did they ever get to you, Mark, about the uh, potential of wanting to write an article? I haven't heard anything from them yet, but then again, you know, I figured, you know, moving over to the new site is a little is a little messy sometimes, and maybe they're just kind of, you know, maybe it's got lost in the sauce here. I'm sure they'll get oh. over here eventually. I like what Squarecast is doing. I also like the fact that we're slowly, like, acquiring more podcasts. I feel yeah, kind of like we're Hydra, you know? Yeah, I've, I've, I personally look at it as, inevitably, there will be just a Commander episode of some type every day of the week. I could deal with that. Because there's us, and if I had my way, I would have hijacked two other shows for Tuesday and for Wednesday. Well, not for Tuesday, because we already have, like, the Journey to Somewhere stuff. We, we need one more show on Wednesday. That's what we need. That's true. Wednesday is the only day when, like, no podcast goes up. Yes. And, like, you know, the other days have, like, articles, potentially, and a show. So I would like to get, like, a fifth show to go up on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. That would be kind of cool. I'm secretly just hoping for the return of Dusters myself, man. I love that comic. Yeah. If Dusters came back, I would I would totally accept that over an additional podcast as well. We were doing good. We were like we were covering all media. We were like the Howard Stern of uh, magic sites for a little while. We were king of all commander media for a bit. Yeah, because we I, had I our yeah, we had podcasts, we had articles, we had um artwork. Mm-hmm. So well, let's see. Typically, William would have us do like our favorite commanders of the week, but I didn't really pick one. I don't have time to go look for one either. And Mark, I'm not sure if he has one. Do you have a, a commander for the week you want to talk oh, about? Man, we, don't, we don't even have time for that shit this week. Uh, we are good. on a strict, yeah, strict time for time crunch. We got scheduled yeah. to keep too. Yeah, we got scheduled to keep. Mark's got drunk women to deal with. We ain't got no time for the uh, favorite commanders of the week. But you know what you do have. To, what we do have time for is to inform you that we here at CommanderCast.com have a Reddit page that you can go over to. And if you click it, you can get involved in our banner poll. And if you get involved in our banner poll, you can help us. You, the listeners, yes, you, can actually assist us in determining which creatures of legendary content 
we could potentially be using for our next banner for Commander Cast. Because the site's going through an overhaul in our old banner, the one that's at the top of the site, the one with the big Rex seal and the giant shark and the ib. Yeah, that thing is just a little bit, like, oversized for our new apartment. Our new digs just can't handle that much awesome. <laughs> but that's okay, because now it just gives us a chance to get a little bit more feng shui-ish with our new environment. And we're going to arrange it, and we're going to put a new piece of awesome artwork in this area. And you, the listeners, can assist us in determining which piece of awesome artwork we can get there. Calvin, would you be interested in hearing the results breakdown of the banner poll so far? Yes, I would, I would love to hear that. Rexio, our official mascot, is in the lead with seven votes. He's got it racked up with 25% of the vote. Ib Halfheart, Goblin Tactician, is second with five. And then we got a three-way tie with Karn, Kalia, and Prosh. A, a, not, a non-distant third is Ixador, even though, fuck Ixador, don't play Ixador. And then last is Morath. So. Hmm. I wonder how many votes Morath has going for him. He has one. Uh, yeah, just one. But hey, man, you know it happens. You listener, you could change that right now. Yeah, like you, you can in the process of listening to this, just go over to Reddit, click it, click the link. The link is in the show notes. So if you found the show, you have full access to a direct link that can take you straight to it, and just go right to the poll, and then just click that little button right next to Mariah's name. And you can bump his numbers. You can double his numbers right now if you chose so. I have, to, I have to say, as we were talking about that, I went in and I kind of bumped Karn's numbers up a little bit. So. Yeah. Understandable. If I had a choice in the matter, I'd probably go bump Morath myself. And secretly, yes, I did. Because I'm the one vote for Morath. <laughs> that was only you? You voted for Morath? Yeah, that one vote that Morath has, that That's was it? me. I was, the, I was the only one. And the only reason I did was because somebody at the add-on mentioned, like, yeah, Morath's, like, you know, on the list, but he had no votes. And I was like, I'm not going to let my boy go down with nobody voting for him. So I went in and I voted for my boy. I got to ask, man, how come Morath got on here, but you didn't put Ashlyn? I didn't pick the card. Who did? Did we? Just, was I on that show when we picked these cards? I feel like we had this conversation. We've had the cards, and I deliberately decided not to have Ashling on there. It's harsh, man. What are you going to treat your girl like that for? I did so because we had Iv on there, and I decided that if we were going to keep a mascot, because Will was, like, completely, like, in love with the idea of keeping Iv no matter what occurred. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, if you're keeping Iv no matter what, I can't, uh, we can't allow Ashling to be even nom- a nominee for the vote, because under the random circumstances, she wins in the voting, then we would have a, a uh, an over... Lar- uh, we'd have a large quantity of red creatures that were planeswalk that were legendary creatures that would also be involved in our banner with very little representation of the other five four colors. Uh, I had no problem with Marath because at least he's multicolored. I suppose I have no problem with us doubling down on red though. I mean, I think listeners understand where we're coming from. There is definitely a red bias to the show, and uh, I'm kind of proud of it. So. Yeah. Like, you know, that's more like this. I'm glad that we have a bias towards red on the show because I personally love red as a color, and I think that it gets continuously hated on just because it's red. Exactly. But it's not nearly as bad as people portray it. See, that's like a, that's also a Commander Cast staple, man. I mean, Andy and everybody else were definitely pro red back in the day, so you know what I mean. Yeah, but that's thing. But like, if we had to go with a particular red commander to lead the charge for us. I would have to say that I would think that that commander would have to be Ib. Now, 
I mean, I am fully in support of taking Ixidor off that list and putting Ashling on there. Because whereas Ashling is awesome, Ixidor is not. So yeah, but the thing for Ixidor is at least he's blue. I know, but he's just and not, the, and, he's not and, a good blue commander though. Yeah, but when you think about it, is it really possible to have a quote unquote good blue commander? Hell yeah, man! Come on, oh I got okay. Two words for you, sir: Mistform Ultimus. Just <laughs> throwing it out there, like best blue commander that ever is. Next one, Lorthos the Tidemaker. Just saying, right. you know, yeah. throwing. Okay. I mean, good blue commander, Baron Master Wizard. Baron Master Wizard counts as a motherfucking wizard. Just in case you didn't know, man, they threw it on there right there on the card for you. So you want to talk reminder text? That's the original reminder text. So, so like, so the best I can see is like, you know, I've clearly been proven wrong about my decision on saying that <laughs> we don't have any good blue commanders. <laughs> I would have easily, I would, I, well, I would have easily have taken any and potentially all of those other cards over Exemplar. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not fair that Clay's not here so we can defend Ixidor, because he's the only one who really likes Ixidor. I'm telling you, I myself have run an Ixidor deck, and I can tell you that even if you're running a mono-blue morph deck, you probably want someone besides Ixidor at the helm of that deck. I'm just saying. Possibly any blue commander, ever. Mm. Whatever. Just, throw, just pick random blue legends, like, out of a fucking hat. you probably get a better one. Just saying. Yeah, fuck it. Here you go. How about this? All right, so I just called up on my phone all of the random blue legends. to all the blue legendary creatures, the mono blue legendary creatures. I'm just going to kind of swirl through it. I'm not even going to look. My my finger's just going to rest on one. Lu Su, Wu Advisor. Yeah, legendary of course, because he's the advisor for the Wu-Tang Clan. Ex- exactly. And as, and as me and you both know, that the Wu-Tang Clan is nothing to fuck with. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? Actually, Lusu's not that bad. I mean, he's five mana for a one-two, which kind of sucks balls. But I don't know. It's you can tap him to draw a card. I mean, that still beats Ixidor for the what's same mana cre- cost, by the way. What's his creature type? All right, he's an advisor. He's a human advisor. He's so, in Portal Three Kingdoms. So, he's, as a human, you have options of doing stuff with him, I guess, because you know you could easily build like a blue human type deck. Like that's mm-hmm. what you be doing. He's also an advisor. Yeah, advisor but, tribal. Someone must have built an advisor tribal, right? And even yeah, and even thing. if he's not actually like in the advisor tribal, like he's got to be in it because he draws you a card. At least you have a commander just just like yeah, it's like at a certain point you just cast him and just tap him to draw cards, mm-hmm. which no one, which I could not complain about. Again, even so, still better. Like even though you get just get to draw one, fuck it, just draw one. We're not even talking about untapped shenanigans, of which there are many in blue. He's still better next door. Let's see if I can roll these dice one more time. Do, 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 do. Mark's really Hakeem going. Hakeem Loreweaver. I would pick him just because of the name. <laughs> Hakeem is actually Hakeem's. Oh shit! I run Hakeem in a deck too. I would pick oh, him shit. over. I would pick him simply for the name. Tell me what does Hakeem do? Hakeem Loreweaver. I actually run this dude in. Um, <laughs> I run this dude in a in a really shitty. Um, Assassin's themed deck, or not an Assassin's themed deck. Shit, what the hell is that deck that I run him in? Who is that? Okay, so I'm talking old school legend. Old school legend. Um, he's a legendary assassin. He's got like the most badass name ever. Um, oh shit, begins with an R. Ramsey's Overdark. Ah, Ramsey's Overdark. Yeah, I ran him in my Ramsey's Overdark deck. Hakeem Loreweaver is same mana cost as Ixidor, right? Three, three colors and two blue for a two four. Just human wizard, and who doesn't like wizard tribal? Duh. He's a wizard. He's a human. Yeah. Got a tribal he's, going on he's there. He's flying. 
And okay. for two blue mana, you put target creature enchantment card from your graveyard on Hakeem Loreweaver. Treat that enchantment as though it was just played. Use this ability only during your upkeep and only if there are no enchantments on Hakeem. And for two blue, tap him, destroy all enchantments on Hakeem. So, hmm. just saying, um, that dude and some really nasty enchantments goes a long way. So, still, still, even though he's like old and kind of shitty and from Mirage, Still better next week. So that like I'm, I like I kind of hope that Clay hears this episode just so I can hear his retort <laughs> next week. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, tune in next week when Clay gets to stand up for Exodore. Uh, yeah, you're like when like tune in next week as and and wa- and listen and watch and observe as Clay literally punches a man through the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. But it'll be mysterious, cause I'll be all like, shrouded in morph, or whatever the fuck those things are shrouded in. Huh. Right. So let's see here. So now we've gone through all of that. Typically, this is the point in the show where we would do like, the whole like, cut the intro, skip to the community, and then you'd hear some community stuff there. We're not really sure if we're gonna do any of that, because, you know, it's just the two of us, with no need for all of that. So, I'm gonna just ask Mark, Mark, do you need to step away from the mic for a moment? I do not currently need to urinate. Okay, so since Mark does not currently need to urinate, and I have my liquid, I was about to say liquor, which I do have, but I have my liquid, uh, I have my liquid consumptions next to me. We're just going to go ahead and mosey on and move right into the community segment here. And the community segment is to ramp or not to ramp. That is the question. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, man. This is nobler this is, this... And, hold on, let me, let me see if I can get through this. <laughs> To ramp or not to ramp? That is the question. What is his nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of an outraged playgroup or to simply draw more cards against a sea of troubles and by opposing in them? To right. smash face, to burn, to combo out on turn four and by a sweep to say we end the heart attack and the thousand natural shocks that EDH is heir to. Okay. A little bit of a Terrence community Shakespearean rating there. Hey, look, man, this is this is what happens when you have a, uh, an English teacher on the podcast, all right? Hey, so. this is what happens when I look into the show notes. This is the kind of shit you guys <laughs> type down there when I'm not. This, what, this is what I type. Come on, man. You know that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad for a first run, man. Hold on, wait a second. That doesn't. What there's more there? Hell yeah, commander. I had to finish I up. Even, I, I, I scrolled down. I didn't even see there was more. Hold on. Tis a commander game devoutly to be wished to ramped. To win, to win. Free chance to gloat. A, there's the rub. No, I, there's the rub. Not bad, man. Not bad for a first run through. I didn't do the whole soliloquy. So, you know, I still had like eight lines left I could have thrown in there. And just, <laughs> oh, yeah. and just butchered. Yeah. So, so for any of you out there, basically this is the point where me and Mark are going to discuss the concept of ramp or not to ramp. And whether or not it is nobler in the mind of us to decide <laughs> on whether or not we will be placing ramp into a deck or would we prefer to try to go about casting cards fairly and on turn as per the design of magic. That's pretty good if you get all that out of uh, how I butchered fucking Hamlet's soliloquy there. Yeah. What, like it's basically like it's still a very valid question whether it's in Shakespearean or not. The question here is if we put ramp into our deck, yes, it allows our decks to move faster and move into extra turns. But in the same token, according to the rules, deck, technically our decks should be able to produce mana without us needing to ramp in order to 
and still be fully capable of succeeding in taking out our opponents, correct? Yeah. No, that's it, man. That's, I mean, that's the question, right? Like, I mean, ramp is definitely a great strategy. You know, playing, playing things on turn four that you shouldn't be able to play until turn six is good. I don't think anyone's gonna, you know, say, no one's gonna deny that. Exactly. But is it, not necessarily is it fair, but, because obviously it's within the rules of the game, right? But is it fun? Is it, is it fair to your play group? Which I think is a different question than straight up, is it fair? Now, if you're playing 1v1, I mean, hey, there's, for, for me, if I'm playing one-on-one with someone, the gloves come off. Like, that's exactly. just, you know, like, one of us wins, one of us loses, that's it, man. It's the fucking Thunderdome when you sit down. Um, if you're playing with a table, though, to be the dude who ramps off, like, the last time I played, I know it's been a little while since I played, um, actual in-table magics. It was over the summer, like, at the end of August. Um, when I sat down, it was me, a couple other guys, my local play shop, uh, they've been running, like, com- like, commander tournaments, which, that in and of itself is enough to turn most people off. But I'm like, fuck it, I went, cause I hadn't played paper magic in a while. So we sat down, dude next to me is playing the mono green deck, so you know it's gonna be a ramp deck. And in the course of, I want to say, six turns, farted out 12 lands. Um, and it wasn't even running Azusa. He was just running, like, every other ridiculous, you know, like, Oracle Modai into this, into drawing a couple extra cards, and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, come on, it's a mono green deck. You don't have to, you don't have to bend over backwards to fart out twice as many lands as anybody else. Was that game fun? No, because me and the mono white player just sat down and like I was playing my derpy artifacts deck against a mono white player and a mono green player. Yeah, guess who won that one? So, right. And yeah. in the same token, like with that particular view of it, like if my view is like if we are playing singletons or we're just playing like one v one, then of course the gloves have to come off because there's no need for a community discussion there. There's no need for us to try to make the game last any longer than necessary. It's no need for me to say, hold on, before you kill me, can I at least get one more turn to pull off my amazing combo that's not going to win the game, but I just haven't had a chance to cast this card. No, you're not going to get a chance to do it because I want to move on to the next game because I want to beat you. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, in a group game, you can potentially see someone who's like, you know what, he's been here all night, he's never gotten a chance to pull this combo off once, we're going to take it easy on him, let him get his cards together just so we can see what he's doing. And then afterwards, if we're... You see, and just to challenge ourselves to see if we can break his combo after he gets everything going. Yep. Now, to me, and I don't know, chime in on this one, Calvin. To me, I think the ramp or not to ramp question depends entirely on your commander. So, for example, like I run a couple mono green decks, but like my commander, my mono green deck is Shishiro the Anointed because it's a mono green snake deck. Like, if I ramp into Oblivion in my mono green snake deck and beat your ass, I beat your ass with a mono green snake deck. I think I, I think I'm still okay with that one. Like if you can't stop my snakes, hey man, you know. If you can't stop the flood of snakes on the plane, wh- yeah, I, I got nothing for you. Snakes on the stand plane. Exactly. Um, but if you've got say like Maelstrom Wanderer at the head of your ramp deck, and you're pulling Maelstrom Wanderer out on like turn three or four because you're ramping into Oblivion, so don't think everyone's gonna be quite as happy to see that come out. So I had a buddy of mine who just used to used to do that. Oh god, like every game, you know, and after game like three or four of you just watching someone else play as they ramp into oblivion. I mean, let's call it, let's call it what it is, man. Ramping is really just, it's almost taking extra turns at some point. I mean, cause they get to do so many other broken things and play so many other things on their turn that you don't, that at a certain point, they're just, you know, 
They're getting everything, and especially when you start throwing in redonkulous crap like Prophet and Seaborn Muse into the mix, um, that is just taking turns on everybody else's turn. So. Yeah, and, like, the concept here is, like, you know, like, even, like, because Ramp basically does kind of, like, say here, like, this is the turn you're currently on. We're going to do what we can to help get you this many turns ahead of your opponent. Because that's basically what the premise for Ramp is. If it's turn one, you want to play a land war elf. So this way, when turn two comes around, you already have two mana. You play your next land, you're at three. Your opponent still only has the one single mana from when they played on their turn. And if your opponent played a card that happened to come in like tap, like a guild gate or something like that, then you not only got a chance to go turn one creature into mana, you now have the option to, say, cast something that's three turns, that, that's typically not supposed to be seen for a whole nother additional turn coming down on turn two. Plus, you already have a creature while your opponent hasn't even really, quote unquote, done anything yet. Mm-hmm. And the whole premise for ramping is to try to get to that point where you can get a bunch of stuff going on and get a bunch of things going into your deck and going onto the field. So this way you can inevitably just kind of outrace your opponent. It's the, I want to beat you before you get a chance to actually beat me, but I want to do it with the biggest creatures. Because if I use smaller creatures, chances are you can always just play something bigger and I get kind of left behind. Ramp is kind of like an, it's like an aggro strategy. It's kind of aggressive. Because, in a way, instead of, like, taking your first couple of turns to play the one drop and the two drops and the three drops, and then just kind of hoping to kill your opponent before they get their five and six out, it's like, no, pump the brakes, we're going to skip turn two and three, go straight to turn four, I'm going to drop down this creature that your one and your two drop cannot deal with, because it's not supposed to be here for two more turns. And now that those aggro creatures are dealt with, I now still have my mana. I'm going to be playing my four, my five, my six drop about the same time you would normally be playing your three and your two and your ones, allowing me to have the biggest creatures on the board and also kill you quickly. Or in some cases, put the most creatures out because, you know, with all that extra mana, you can just, you know, pump out tokens or a a, a bigger army than what your opponent was expecting. Exactly. Or able to deal with at that time. And I, you know... I mean, we, we've harped on this a million times on the show, and even back in Andy's day, etc. Um, hell, even me and Grandpa were harping on this. Ramp is the only strategy that it's socially unacceptable to counter. Because Armageddon, and blowing up the fucking lands, and mass land destruction, is the counter to Ramp. But, it's frowned upon, you know? Mm-hmm. It, so, that's how it kind of gets out of control. It's probably always going to get out of control, um, until people kind of get over their uh, their fear of mass LD, man. Yeah, don't be don't be afraid of the, especially the LD. And the main thing for why, the main, why did I walk into that? Fuck! <laughs> why didn't I see this shit coming? <laughs> but but the thing here is is that the main problem is a lot of people when like the problem for land destruction is that most people don't ever expect to be able to return lands from their graveyard, so they typically don't pack like land recursion cards. You know? True. I mean, yeah, there is only it, one Crucible of Worlds, right? Yeah, there's so. only one Crucible of Worlds. And, you know, there's, like, Leyline of the... Not Leyline of the War. Uh, 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 the Green Dredge card that brings the lands back. Um, oh, um... Oh, shit. God damn it. This is going to be a recurring theme tonight. Hang yes, on. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, along with the Green, green Dredge card, I mean, you're probably not going to be running Loaming Shaman in your deck. That's probably not a thing that's going to happen. You right. know, Loaming Shaman... Pretty awesome for a centaur. You got that centaur themed, uh, that centaur tribal deck. I bet that dude 
be uh, be pretty good. Oh, speaking of Loam and Shaman, fucking hell, Life from the Loam. That's the card we're talking about. There you go. I was actually so got- going. I was going through my decks just now to go see if I could find it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. I- see, this is what happens when we get the old game, the old man podcast. We can't remember card names. We can't. We vaguely. We have hazy outlines in our mind of like some card that does something. Like what? What was that thing that you got a dredge on it and caused it two mana? Got the ah, graveyard yeah. and lands. There we go. Come here. Come here, you. There we go. Come on. That's me grabbing for my uh, Golgari deck. Yeah, yeah, that's the same thing. I was going through my Carador list. Because so. yeah. what was it? Because I've got my Golgari deck. Uh, in order to get most of my information for the Manor Ramp episode, spoiler, I uh, basically went through about four of my decks that have Manor Ramp stuff in them. That would be currently my Marath of the Wild. My Uriel the Mistalker, my Golgari deck, which I'm about to use now, and my Thassa God of the Sea deck. Yeah, buddy. Oh, see, there you go. Another mono, awesome mono blue commander. Thassa is the shit. Yeah, yeah Thassa is a, she's a lot better than I was expecting. And she's currently still at the helm of the precon deck that I had. I'm currently, oh, no huh. yeah, like basically I, I enjoy her, but to fairy. While Terry Teferi basically makes the deck like extensively broken. Yeah, he does. And yeah. like even just in his pre-constructed form, Teferi kind of like just like makes that deck totally disgusting. <laughs> and love that. Stuff. See, there we go. Now, now when we talk about like different different ramp strategies, fucking Teferi should get his own goddamn category, man. Because that yeah. is the cre- like they built the mono blue ramp deck. That thing and that, and that thing that deck is just way. Way too powerful for what it should be doing. But I find with Thassa at the helm of it, it's almost the same as having Teferi. But instead, like, of having three abilities, he only has, it only has like, it has three abilities. There's the one ability, the first loyalty ability is the scry. The second loyalty ability is the pay the manner so you can make the creep target on creature unblockable. And the third ultimate is the turn his card into a 5-5 creature with indestructible. That's how I see, like, the gods now. They're planeswalkers, but to me, they're, like, first ability, this is this. Second ability, this is that. Third ability is when it turns into a creature and smashes your face down. Hmm. I think Thassa might still be my favorite of the monocolored. Well, oh, well, there's Perforos. Yeah, but then there's Perforos who just kind of messes things up. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I love them because we finally have a, a red plane, a, a red creature that's in a cycle that we can be like, oh man, this cycle is great. I think this is my favorite one. Yeah, but the red one though. Yeah, the red one's broken. I get it. <laughs> the first well, time. Hey, man. It's one of the very few times we get to say that. Don't try and take that away from me, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what about Duretti? Duretti, that was the best deck. I mean, the red deck, everyone. I mean, as much as I love the blue deck, and the blue deck I still play straight up out of the box as is, because I just love that deck. Um, the Duretti deck, man, like the red pre-con deck from last year, that thing was that thing was a lot of fun to play. So yeah. Definitely, I think, the best deck and the strongest deck out of all of them. I mean, people sleep on the blue, and I will definitely defend the blue till my dying breath, but, man, that red deck, so good. So yeah, but the red good. deck was fun. Yeah. But, yeah, so let's, like, get off this uh, tangent of talking about our deck. Let's see here. So we dis- we were in the process of discussing ramp, correct? And yeah. We were going I mean, this is good enough America time to like. Not- yeah, I mean, I think this is good enough time to move straight into like the flavors of ramp, don't you? I mean, we're already yeah. starting to talk about ramps, like yeah. ramp strategy, anyway. So. Yep. Yeah, so so we're gonna just like go ahead, power on through through the community segment, straight into the strategy segment, 
Hey, hey, would you mind if I take a stab at the um the to ramp or not to ramp? Yep, go right ahead. I mean, I mean you wrote it, so I like it completely caught me <laughs> off guard. I was just reading it, and I was like, wait a second, no, I like this is not what I thought it was going to be. This actually turned into a commitment, and I like to see these kind of things through. I can't help myself. I can't just. Hey, man, that's a, that's what you have to do. You have to, you know, just because I I threw a little Elizabethan English in there, you just gotta, you know, gotta power on through, and you do it like a champ, brother. So, yeah, but you yeah. know what? I'm going to go ahead. I'm gonna hit the mute and let you do your thing. <laughs> To ramp or not to ramp, that is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of an outraged playgroup, or to simply draw more cards against a sea of troubles, and by opposing end them. To smash face, to burn, to combo out on turn four, and by a sweep, to say we end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that EDH is heir to. Tis a game of commander devoutly to be wished. To ramp, to win, to win, perchance to gloat. Aye, there's the rub. Hmm. Am I still here? <laughs> well, you're asking in like the philosophical sense. Oh. Like, is anyone still anywhere, man? No, no, man, it's not that. But like, um, well, listeners, currently this is like what was it? October. Like, right now, there's been a national warning or state warning for a potential hurricane within the area. Oh what, shit! Did they like have a hurricane warning for you guys already? Yeah, yeah it's tropical. Well, it's not hurricane. It's mostly tropical storm working its way up that direction. It's kind of. I thought, I thought that was actual hurricane, man. That was a Category Four yesterday. Yeah, it was Category Four. It's worked its way up to Hurricane, and it's one of those. It not. It's not my specific area, but it is New Jersey, and there's rain a lot all over the place. Certain areas are starting to flood, and because of such, I'm not really sure of exactly whether or not I'm actually still connected. So if I happen to just check in, it's not like anything's occurred to me. It's just you know the internet probably just dissipated or left me. Yeah. I do like, I'm checking the, the weather right now, actually. You can always tell this is really great because it says, and I quote, very wet storm system continues along eastern seaboard, historic rain event for the Carolinas. So, sorry to my friends who live in the Carolinas who are definitely not watching this, but dudes, I hope you guys got some flood insurance. Yeah, uh, hopefully everything goes good and the guys over at the Manapool are all safe and sound and dry. I do have to say a little caveat to that, though, and to my boys down at Camp Lejeune, because we always, when a hurricane came through, which is inevitably at least like once a year down the Carolinas, um, we'd all get, that's the only time when, like, we get a day off, and you're all supposed to go, like, hang out in your, in your barracks and not really do anything, which is our excuse to just fucking mob the liquor store and get piss-ass drunk and just set up a hurricane party. That's Most of the time, it, it ended up in togas. Um, occasionally <laughs> ended up in naked slip and slides on the front barracks lawn. Um, but those are good times, man. Hey, sounds like a perfect way to deal with a hurricane. Yep. Last good. time that there was a huge hurricane when I was down there, I mean, obviously this is like 15 years ago now. Um, it didn't hit the base very hard, but then in the surrounding area, there's a shit ton of pig farms. And apparently there's just like dead pigs floating on like swollen rivers throughout most of the town. And we ended up having to go clear away carcasses. So. That wasn't the fun part, but man, drinking on the lawn at fucking like six in the morning while watching the hurricane go by, that was pretty fun. Here's a moment of silence to all of the, uh, all of the poor lost bacon that was suffered during this time and event in your life. Yeah. It was fucked up, man. We had to go grab a pig off of somebody's garage roof. So, like, it was hmm. some fucked up, it was some, like, hurricanes do messed up shit, man. Yeah. You know? 
Well, I think living in the upper side of the Northeast, I think we, we get it all right. Like, I, what was the last time a hurricane hit us? Like, four or five years ago? So. The last time one came this direction was Hurricane Sandy? Yeah, it was that crazy ice storm. The year of the crazy ice storm. Yeah, that, and that came in. That messed up a lot of New Jersey, especially like the Jersey Shore area. Mm-hmm. Like, but I, like, yeah. like, like it's one of those things where, like, knock on wood, I happen to be like, I'm not so far to the water areas that any of my stuff ever really gets like dealt with that what that, that much. But I do work at the airport, so a large portion of that time is like, if I can make it to work, it's pointless because nobody's going anywhere because there's a fucking hurricane outside. Yep. In which case it's like, yes, I'm here. No, I shouldn't be here. But then again, I don't want to waste a vacation day just because I was capable of getting to the airport and nobody else was. Yeah. I don't think it was for that. Maybe it was that hurricane or maybe it was another one, um, like a year or two before that. I remember I was working, I was working at PF Chang's at the time. That's how I put myself through grad school. So waiting, waiting tables and slinging Chinese food. I remember we got to work one day, and my boss was like, hardcore, man. He's like, I don't give a shit what the storm is. You're coming into work. We were slinging some Chinese food. And oh, we yeah. got to work. Shitty walk. And we, we looked outside, and a light pole just popped off its the fucking wires and slammed into the car, like, right next to his. And he goes, fuck it, we're going home. So, that was, that was a good day. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Like, like, thank you for coming to Shitty Walk, home with a shitty beef and a shitty shrimp. I still tell you, though, Mongolian beef. Shit. Oh, I right, I personally enjoy all of our listeners. That's just me doing a parody of a South Park skit. Please, Mongolian listeners, continue. Do not send me your hate mail. And if you do have hate mail, please send it to jack at mtgcast.com. Hold on. But let's right, see brother. here. Where are, we so, ba- where are we back? We're talking about flavors of ramp, right? <laughs> yeah, so let's see here. So there's the old school ramps, you know. There's basically all of the stuff that just puts lands out on the table. Uh... These are like, what, like Rampant Growth, Azusa, all that other stuff. Yeah. My big one recently has been um, play the top card Moldu? in your deck if it's a land. Uh, uh, Orko no, no. Moldaya. Oh, 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 I said Moldu. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I got Mardu and Moldaya mixed in my mind for a moment yeah. there. So there's Oracle of Moldaya. Yep. Say it. <laughs> Oracle Moldaya. And I'm trying to think of the other ones. So what, the, the top of the land, the top of the library thing? Yeah, well, not just top of the library ones, but I'm thinking when you see... When you see typical ramp strategies, you know, I mean, would you throw in, uh, you know, the old, the old school, uh, Yavamaya Elder? You think that's, I mean, that counts. He's a ramp strategy because he's a creature who, the ability, he has the ability to, like, you know, get the extra mana for you. Yeah. Like, even, like, uh, what was it? The Sakura Triope, Tribe Elder still falls into this category as well. Yeah. The, the original Grandpa Growth right there. Yeah. Now, for spell based ramp, I mean, we have, the typical, you know, everything rampant growth, which the strategy is named after. Um, Cultivate. Besides, besides the, the regular, you know, the regular like green spells for this. Do you have any other ramp that uh, maybe our listeners haven't heard of? I mean, we talked a little bit before the show about songs of the damned. Yeah, the songs of the damned. Uh, for any listeners out there that might not know, I'm pretty sure all of you probably do. Uh, there's high tide. High tide basically is a single blue mana. It's an instant, and it has until end of turn, whenever a player taps an island for mana, that player adds one blue to his or her mana pool. So basically, it's like you pay a blue, and now everybody at the table who has access to blue mana can tap it and produce multiple forms of blue. 
or double, basically every hour, it pretty much turns your islands into blue versions of Soul Ring for the end, until the end of turn. Now, I mean, there's also Bubbling Muck, which is the black version at sorcery speed, turns all your swamps, in, or gives all players the, the ability to tap a swamp and produce an additional black mana. Yep. And there's the other song, there's the other incident that we talked about earlier. And this was before we started recording, well, before we started the actual show. Songs of the Damned. And that's the one black instant that adds a black to your mana pool for each creature card that's in your graveyard. So basically, you'll see like a pattern here. Pretty much it's a spell, you cast it, and you end up getting either what would be considered a quote-unquote like the ritual. Oh, we completely missed it. Dark Ritual. There we go. Before we go any further, Dark Ritual. (laughs) So yeah, it's like, so Dark Ritual basically, it was an instant, and it pretty much stated that like you could pay pretty much a single black mana and you would end up getting like what was it triple black in mm-hmm. it yeah basically it added three black to your mana pool and then these most of these spells like dark rate the high tide the song of the damned and these cards they're like temporary boost this effect has basically been pushed over in it's, it's kind of like ran the gamut it's gone blue it's been in black it's currently being pushed in red the only places it doesn't really show up is like green and white that much i don't think white has any of this white but has think- i mean off the top of my head the only spell based ramp i can think of for white is uh you know stuff that will pop out more lands for you like gift of the states gift yeah, of like- the states for one in a white you know if an opponent has more lands than you you can search for library for up to three planes which is amazing by the way especially in mono white like gift of the states you should you should be running that card in a mono white deck. I'm gonna go. Yeah, like, I'm gonna go as like far as say like, that. Uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Weathered Wayfarer. The one yep, where it's like, if, like if your opponents have more lands than you, you could tap them and he'll put all the planes into play for you. Yeah, I mean, a buddy of mine used to call all these things like just land tax effects because that's kind of what it is. Like they're all they're all de- dependent mostly on your opponent having more lands than you. Um, and if he does, then he can do X, Y, or Z. It's usually just pop out a couple more lands or put a land in your hand or maybe go search for a land. You know. Right. Um, but the the thing for these particular forms are is like most of the time, if it's in green or white, the effect is kind of permanent because it'll search a land for you and the land then gets a chance to do its thing or to be on a creature that gets to use the effect repeatedly like a land or elf or something of that nature. But most other colors like they most of the other colors like the blue, the black and the red usually get these type of additional like ritual burst. You'll get the effect, but it's only until the end of turn. You'll get a chance to do it, but it's only once, and it's only if you have a particular type of land in play, things of that nature. And let's see here. Well, I was going to throw in, the only caveat on that I have for red is uh, just a one-off for Braid of Fire. Braid of Fire is the, the one in the red. You get it permanently, but you, as a cumulative upkeep, you add red one red mana to your mana pool. Um, for each, obviously for each age counter on it. And that's permanent, but you can only use it during your upkeep. But still, right. I mean, if you've got, if you've got a, a general with an activated ability that you can use, like I throw them in my, uh, my Felden deck, but you can also throw them in like an Ashling deck just to burn yep. shit off with the, the extra mana, etc. Um, it does have a little bit of a downside, so it's not like you're getting free mana all the time, but it's still worth it. Braid of Fire, still an awesome card. Yeah, you could throw a Braid of Fire into Maroth, and then oh, doing your upkeep, yeah. doing your upkeep just, Turn all that mana into Moroth to either burn somebody's face off or remove counters and make a creature. Moroth mm-hmm. would die and go back to the command zone, but then if you got the mana to just cast them normally, you can just go right ahead and just drop them again. Yep. But, you know, these, but like these temporary bump, mana bump things are pretty good. They're useful. 
But as per usual, they are just temporary, and they don't normally... I mean, they, a lot of these spells do get played, but they don't really get as much love as the permanent fixtures. Because typically, when you ramp, you don't want it just for the turn. If you have access to 8 mana, you want to kind of keep access to 8 mana for a longer period of time. So most of these little ritual effects have a tendency to be put into other more permanent forms of mana ramp or to be used to pick up something that can be able to be abused later on. Now, speaking of more permanent-based mana ramp, um, let's talk about some mana dorks for a minute, man. Do you have favorite mana dorks, Calvin? I know I have a couple that I kind of lean on quite a bit. So, like, the main ones I always have a tendency to lean on as far as, like, mana dorks that I personally always liked would be, what was it, the Lumberjack? Uh, Orcish Lumberjack. Orcish Lumberjack is typically, yeah, like, the boy. main mana ramp dork that I've always, like, just fell back on whenever I happen to need, like, a creature. And for listeners out there that don't know, the Orcish Lumberjack, it's a single, uh, a single red. Uh, it's a 1-1 orc. You tap it and you sacrifice a forest. And you then it produces it then produces three mana in any combination of either red and or green to your mana pool. So pretty much it's like you get a orc that can now be a one one. You can use them to attack if you are so inclined. But once you get a forest, you just slap it down onto the field. You tap them. You sacrifice the forest, and that forest turns into three mana for you. The only problem with the Orcish Lumberjack is, is that on a consistent basis, he has a tendency to just burn through all of your forest. So he's very similar to like the ritual spells we were discussing a moment ago. But with him, it's more permanent because as long as you can get a forest or at least have something with the forest type on it, whether it be like a... Temple Garden? Temple Garden? Is that it? Yeah, that's Shockland. That's the forest plant Shockland. There we go. Yeah, but like, you know, like you can use like Orcish Lumberjack to sacrifice the Temple Garden. You could use them to sacrifice... You know what? I should have just went with Stomping Grounds. Because that's also a forest, too. And I remember that one. And it's got oh, ready. Sure. I'm a fucking... Eh, it's close. We got it. Yeah, but, you know, you can use them to sacrifice, like, Stomping Grounds to garden and to get extra mana out of them. And the thing for his ability is, is that you have to sacrifice the forest. So if you want, what you could easily do is just tap the forest for mana and then sacrifice it to the Orcish Lumberjack, providing you with four mana for that turn. Yeah, that's pretty sweet, man. If I could uh, throw out a couple of suggestions, just some old school like favorite mana ramp that I still think kind of works. Um, Apprentice Wizard is a zero one wizard uh, for one and two blue. Apprentice Wizard, you pay one blue mana, tap them to add three colorless mana to your mana pool. So this is unusual because it's a permanent mana mana dork effect, like a permanent ramp effect, it's a little bit um, out of blue, but you get it all the time. And yeah, you're probably going to use it for artifacts. But you're in blue, you can do artifact shenanigans. And plus, like, just having an extra three mana, I don't know, man, I found myself uh, using Apprentice Wizard an awful lot to counteract some commander attacks quite a bit. Yeah, but the thing for it is, is like, you know, having a mana dork that produces that much mana is actually very useful because you can, like, because in this format, we're talking about casting big spells, big creatures, big artifacts. And even our commanders, even if you start off with a commander that's only cost a single mana, if you cast him enough, it inevitably gets to a point where you need like eight mana to play him. So we're always in the big mana format. Ramp is something that commander just kind of like just, I'm, I'm guessing that's probably one of the, now that I'm thinking about it in that term, it makes perfect sense why mana hate, like hating land hate, land destruction is usually hated out. 
because this is a format where not only is already is bad enough that we're already playing like the biggest spells we can find. Even our commander, who was a single one mana one guy, a uh, one one guy for one mana, he's died like four times already. I gotta pay <laughs> nine mana to get him back now, and you're gonna blow my lands up, even though you've killed my commander like four times already. Not even just you, like just like the table, like the amount of times wrath happens. So now I kind of like can slightly sympathize for people who would ha- have a bit of a tiff for land destruction appearing in their meta. I mean, granted, I would still, you know, tell them they need to, like, suck it up because the same thing happened to my graveyard deck. You know, see me bitching. But, you know, so let's see. So we're talking about mana dorks. Any other mana dorks we can think of? Because there's, like, the Orcish Lumberjack. There's the, what was the guy you said? Uh, Apprentice Wizard. Yeah, yeah I, got, I got another one for uh, for yeah. blue-white, something that doesn't get an awful lot of mana dorks. Something I don't know if people will categorize as ramp, but I've used him as ramp. Um, Rasputin Dreamweaver. So, Rasputin Dreamweaver, straight up from Legends. Four colorless mana, a white and a blue. Um, Rasputin Dreamweaver enters the battlefield with seven dream counters on him. So he's already baller because of that. But you can remove a dream counter at instant speed to add one colorless mana to your mana pool. Or prevent one damage to him on that turn, which no one ever gives a shit about. Uh, but at the beginning of your upkeep, if Rasputin started the turn on tap, you put a dream counter on him. Uh, and you can't ever have more than seven dream counters on him. So the nice part is Rasputin can come in and immediately, like, you pay six for him, and you immediately can get seven mana out of him. So that in itself is just a little busted. Yeah. And, yeah, it's only colorless mana, but you can do some messed up shit with some seven colorless mana in a blue-white deck. I'll throw yes, out... I'm just typing on um, work his lumberjack. Sorry. Sweet. Um, I'll throw out another one. Again, old-school stuff that people might not consider. This one is spell-based, but it, it's creature-dependent, so I'm going to throw it under Mana Dorks because it kind of turns your guys into Mana Dorks. Energy Tap is a one-blue mana sorcery uh, where you tap a target untapped creature you control. If you do, you add colorless mana to your mana pool where X is that creature's converted mana cost. So, particularly in my, my big, huge, stompy Leviathan and Krakens deck, I like to throw Energy Tap in. Uh, say you can kind of cheat out like a Lorthos, say, uh, the best of the, the Krakens and the Octopuses, Octopi. Uh, you can also throw an Energy Tap out next turn, or just throw throw that out just to make sure you can, you know, you can pay for something else. Or you can pay, like, two crazy Kraken costs at the same time. Um, who knows? Like, in, in any sort of way, like, Energy Tap is a sweet little thing. Yes, it's dependent upon um, you having, like, a, another big-ass creature on the board. And it's dependent on that creature, or it's dependent on sorcery speed. But, eh, what the fuck? I mean, if if you're doing it right, like, tap a Lorthos, you can get an extra 8 mana for 1. That's a pretty good little ritual effect right there. So there's Orcus Lumberjack, Energy Tap is in there. Uh, like, like, this is typically where we would put Landwar Elves and all of his, like, gill. Yeah, all but little, I think like, that's... Elf dude I mean... that tap for mana. <laughs> Yeah, you can kind of put in your own little elf dude to tap yeah. our mana. Like insert, I mean, you like, don't need us to tell you that. Like, insert green elf creature here to turn sideways and produces mana one way mm-hmm. or another. Now, actually, the, the next one I have for just straight-up creature-based mana dorks, I think you're the one who turned me on to this one, I think. Soul Bright Flamekin It's another one of my favorites. Uh, he's one in a red for a 2-1 elemental shaman, and you pay two colorless mana to give target creature trample until end of turn, but if this is the third time this ability is resolved this turn, you can add eight red mana to your mana pool instead. Or actually not instead, in addition to. So, so it's not bad. You put in six, you get out eight. Um, 
especially like at the six mana level, like the difference, we've talked about this before, like the difference between 12 mana and 13 mana is nobody gives a shit because you have 12 mana, you can probably do whatever you want. But the difference between six mana and eight mana could be winning the game or could be, you know, throwing that Hail Mary pass to knock out an opponent. Um, so Soul Bright Flamekin sits at a, a sweet little spot and particularly because he also gives trample in red. Um, I just find it'd be a, a cool little utility dude. And he doesn't often get counted as a mana dork, but he should be. Yeah, because the main thing for the um, so bright, so bright flamekin though is is that it works, but you kind of have to invest enough mana into it to make it work. Typically, it just shows up, and it's like considered two. And for its size, it's a two one for two mana in commander. That's normally not that much, but the fact that I, I personally enjoyed it because you know you could pay two mana, give target creature and target creature gain trample. In red, which is a color that has a tendency to have a lot of creatures that have a lot of power and low toughness, like your fireballs and your your fireball elementals and things of that nature. I mean, tap, have a tendency to like die at the end of turn, but mm-hmm. most of them don't have trample. It basically becomes either you take six damage to the face, or I kill your six, or I do a six damage to your guy. But with the soul bright flame pin, it's like no. This, this six damage is coming over there. You better put six damage. You better put six points of toughness in front of him in order to absorb it, or you're taking it anyway. And Red Berry now seldomly has ways to give trample. It gives haste constantly. It might give first strike. Hell, maybe even double strike. Trample, it's like, yeah, but, you know, it, it comes and goes. But typically it's like, Red has a chance to get flying before it gets trampled. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think off the top of my head, there's only, oh god, I think there's only two of them that I can think of. There's uh, Soul Bright Flamekin, and then there was one, I think the Acolyte Cycle in Theros. You know what I you know yeah, mean? Yeah, the archetype, archetype. Yeah, there we go, the archetype. Yeah, the red archetype. Why did I say fucking Acolyte? Because hmm. yeah, um, you know, Acolyte would have been better than archetype. Probably. It would have been much better. Um, we were in Theros, we could have gotten away with Acolyte. Yeah, that's true. Wasn't there an Acolyte Cycle in Theros, too? There's uh, a lot of cycles in Theros. Yeah, but, you know, Wizards loves their cycles. So, you know, Wizards we're not arguing. cycles, man. Yeah. Uh, like, um, you know, I would love to see a set where, like, they just, like, nope, here's all the colors, but there's, like, one color missing. <laughs> do they do, like, a half cycle? Yeah. No, I mean, like, they, they, they've kind of done that before. I'm, I'm like, about, like, yeah, I'm just saying, like, an entire set, like, because you know how they did, like, Blom, how they did Ravnica, where they broke it up, where it's, like, here's five guilds, and the next, here's another five guilds, mm-hmm. but all five colors are represented through the three, through, through, um, through the two time pack, through the yeah. two blocks. I would like to see one was like, nope, here's the set where it's like, it's, you get blue, you get black, you get white. There's no red, there's no green, there's no artifacts. <laughs> the next set, here's three artifacts, here's the green ones, here's the white ones, here's the red ones. There's no blue, there's no black. <laughs> so, the ultimate, like, fuck you to standard? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, like, you know, like, like, no wonder, like, like, mono blue decks are just dominating for three months. Of course, mono blue decks are dominating because there's no <laughs> fucking white or green cards. There's no artifacts. Just clear the fucking playing field, man. Be like, nope. We're and just then, like, totally cock up all the archetypes and standard. Yeah, but then, like, nice. you, like, but they have it, like, set up in the right pacing. So inevitably, it's like, like, blue, black, and the white just, rotates completely out and then we have a whole cycle like a whole like three month period which is just red green and artifacts available from that one set <laughs> yeah uh, come I on watsy get on that shit 
Yeah, get on. Like I'm, I know you guys want to do it just to like see what it would ha- see what would happen for a year. Have you guys made enough money? But um, but yeah. So yeah, like the flame bright can basically like he's good because of the trample. That's the main thing that I usually played it for. I mean, yeah. I'm not. I mean, two colors for trample is pretty him, sweet. Like the only problem that I ever really ended up having with it is, is the fact that once you finally did get around to putting all that mana into it, it's like yeah, you got all that trample for free. And then I think you got an addition like two mana out of it too, didn't you? Two. Yeah, I mean you paid you paid six and you got eight. Yeah. yeah, you paid six, you got eight, and three of your guys got trampled. What more could you ask for? The same. Or you know, like one maybe more. one guy got triple trample. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's better. Like triple trample, that's three times as good, man. I'm we all know this. Um, I would say one more. I would throw under the the mana dorks. It's kind of kind of maybe bends the definition of this category, but I would throw Koth of the Hammer in there too. His second ability, you know, is minus two to add red to your mana pool for each mountain you control. That's definitely come in handy for me. So you see, the thing is, is that that's an ability that when I hear it, I would put it under the ritual category, but because it's repeatable, I would consider it to be in a mana dork. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a good enough uh, criterion right there. I mean, if it's repeatable, it's kind of a mana dork. If it's repeatable and it's not a permanent, I would call it a mana dork. Right. If it's not, I would probably call it spell based ramp. Actually, you know what? Hmm. No, no, no. He wouldn't go into mana dork either, because dork like um shows that it's a creature. I don't he, know, man. He, what he, else he, would you put him under? Mana? Du- I mean, well, I mean, I guess you could go under like mana doubling, I suppose. I, I would either. I would probably either go with mana doubling or like the shenanigans portion. Mm. That's true. Cause, yeah, cause, he, could, he does have this and shenanigans written all over him. Yeah, there we go. Cough. Okay. Will cough is getting cut from here and added down to shenanigans. Oh man. Because as a mannered dork, because mannered dorks have a tendency to be creatures. They're on a body and they're repeatable. And by that definition, even like the energy tap that we talked about earlier should just go into shenanigans as well. But if that's the case, then shenanigans would just be fucking huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at some point you have to kind of, you have to crop that sucker. Oh, are we missing any, can you think of any black mana dorks? I feel like, I feel like I must be missing something here. There are. Black mana dorks. There's a elf that produces black mana. So let's see. Moving on. Other forms of card, um, other forms of ramp that you listeners need to learn about is obviously the artifacts. Artifact ramp is like the main, is like primarily yes. the main form of mana ramp that we see in Commander. Quite frankly, the main reasoning for this is because it goes in any deck, and because of its ability to go in any deck, it just kind of shows up everywhere. Again, I think we can we can kind of avoid talking about the obvious ones, right? Like we don't need to talk about how Soul Ring is really good. Yeah, we're, we we can go right over that out. And we can go right ahead and skip over to Soul Ring. Mm-hmm. There's uh, the Signet Cycle. Those are amazing. Pretty much, you pay what is it two mana? You end up getting two uh, colors, and you, you get two, the, you pay two colors, the, get an artifact, the, and has the ability to tap and produce two mana of a particular color combination, whichever color combination you happen to be in the mood for. Sure, that helps. There's, um, um, there's, there's the golem eye, Ur's golem eye, that the, there's a little miniature. Oh, the four for two? Yeah, it's like a little miniature group of cards that fall into that category of taps and produces two colorless. Yeah, like Sissé's ring, the new Hedron archive. Right, the worn power stone. Yep. Most of these are all in that little pack for the most part, because Teferi was busted and should not have been created. Nuts! You are crazy. That thing is awesome. Yeah, um, it's awesome. I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying it's not <laughs> awesome. I'm just, you know, 
blatantly explaining that it is busted. Uh, as far as other forms of like mana, the, as far as like artifacts were concerned, we, oh yeah, from that same set, there was the, uh, the medallions. But this medallion, oh, yeah, I, I like, the, medallions. Older, the medallion is from an older set, but they got reprinted here. So most of our listeners will mostly, most likely remember them from there. Pretty much the medallions, instead of ramping you by mana and giving you colorless, it allowed for your spells of a particular color to lose, say, a single color mana. So say, for instance, you had a Sapphire's medallion. It costs two colorless to cast. But then from now on, as long as the artifact is, you know, on your side of the field, blue spells you cast cost one less to cast, which is basically mana ramp because now your spells that happen to be like one colorless double blue is now just double blue. Which, in a way, kind of won't... It seems like it's uh, anti-ramp because of the fact that it doesn't add mana to your thing. But technically, taking away mana from stuff or taking or bringing the cost down on stuff is all ramp was going to do anyway. Ramp basically is acknowledging the fact that something is uh, four mana. You don't want to pay the full four mana for it. Or you do want to pay for it, but you don't want to wait till a turn four to play it. So you find other ways to get it earlier. And anything that reduces the cost in that manner, I've considered them to also be involved in ramp as well. Let's Ooh, see. That's what a good segue. I would say keep it on that idea of like cost reducers as mana ramp. Man, I gotta throw a shout out for one of my favorite cards, Cloud Key. Cloud Key is three mana artifacts. As Cloud Key comes into play, because it's old school like that. Choose an artifact, creature, enchantment, instant, or sorcery. Spells you play of the chosen type cost one less to play. And let's see here. Like now, now, just for clarification here, like Cloud Key and the Medallions are, we're, we're more, I'm marking those into Manor Ramp because they assist us and help us get bigger spells out earlier than they're supposed to. But anything that involves costing, like say for instance, like a, like the dragon side of uh, uh, Monastery Siege. Monastery Siege is a two colorless and a blue enchantment. And you, when it enters the battlefield, you can either call clans or dragons. If you go with clans at the beginning of your draw step, draw an additional card, then discard a card. But if you call dragons, spells your opponents cast that target you or a permanent you control costs two more to cast. This would not qualify as a ramp effect because it's not helping you get your mana out. It's just slowing your opponents down by an additional two mana per, per spell. So let's just make sure we make that, draw that line in the sand here. Like, if it's an effect that allows you to get your stuff out, it's ramping. If it's something that prevents your opponents from doing something, it's closer to a taxation effect. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely different, um, different categories, man. If we're talking about, um, just straight up, my colorless mana ramp, man, I got two of my faves here, which I know I've talked about before. But Blink Moth Urn mm-hmm. is a fucking powerhouse in a colorless deck, which I would imagine would be coming up, seeing as how we've got an awful lot of colorless uh, creatures coming up in the next set. Blink Moth Urn is five colorless mana, obviously. It's an artifact. At the beginning of each player's pre-combat main phase, if Blink Moth Urn is untapped, that player adds one colorless mana to his or her mana pool for each artifact he or she controls. God damn, an artifact deck is this thing the nuts. Um, as long as you just have as long as you're not playing against other artificers, because uh, they can benefit from this too, which is a small drawback for the, the crazy amount of mana you're going to generate from this thing every turn. And especially because it comes in the pre-combat main phase. Damn, you know, any any sort of artifact you're, you're running, you run this, if you're a bad person, you run this with Mycosynth Lattice um, and just make all the all the mana all the goddamn time. 
And I love how that's one... the caveat you go for. Like, if you're a bad person, you're going to run this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And the other one I would throw in there, and this, this might go understanding is a little bit, um, City of Shadows. God, I got this from India a million years ago, man. God, I fucking love City of Shadows, though. And it's awesome because it's from the dark. Uh, City of Shadows, you tap it to exile a creature you control, and you put a storage counter on City of Shadows, and then you can tap it to add an X to your mana pool, X colorless mana, where X is the number of storage counters on City of Shadows. If you are running a token deck, you need to put City of Shadows in that deck. So, particularly in response to, like, Wraths, or in response to anything. Hell, I've used City of Shadows to save my commander from getting stolen for. Just exile him, put him back, put him back in the command zone. Um, I don't think, I mean, we don't have the judges to back us up. I don't know if you'll get the, uh, the storage counter if you do that. So. Uh, tap exile a creature you control. And then. Right, but if you, if you use it on your, if you use it on your commander, like, cause it's a replacement effect. You would, I say would, you would still get it. I believe uh, maybe. I'm, I'm going to judge cast this one. But. Like we we will need Clay and William to help us figure this out. <laughs> yeah, we've thing, officially come current, to the end of this. But currently, I would say that from my best understanding, you've already paid the cost by tapping and exiling the creature. Like you know, like when you have an effect that says tap sacrifice a creature and you sacrifice your commander, the effect mm-hmm. has already been paid, even though you send the commander to the command zone. So the effect still continues because a creature has been sacrificed. As long as it didn't say sacrifice, uh, um, send a creature to your graveyard. Like if, hey, it, if, if, if the effect has to keep track of the creature actually going to that spot, then yes, it might like get canceled. But if you tap and sacrifice and exile like a creature, yeah, you exile your commander. But before the exile zone was the command zone. I'm down with that. We'll go with that. Screw it. Can we think but, any yeah. other maybe artifact ramps that? Hmm. Maybe but, but less obvious talk, artifact ramp. But since we were talking about like the city of uh shadows, like what less artifact, um less obvious artifact ramp. I mean, yeah, because I don't want to just throw in like yeah, Thran Dynamo is one of my favorite cards, but no one needs but, me to tell them throwing down on most a good card. Uh, how's about this? There was a talisman cycle that was printed from the original uh Meriden block. Ooh. Oh, I, I see where you're going. I like this. It was it was a cycle. It was two color. You get an artifact. It was two colorless. The artifact tapped for a single color. And then when you tapped it again, well, you had a second chance to also tap it, and it would produce two colors to your two one of two different colors to your mana pool, like the talisman of unity. It's two colors. Artifact tap. Add one color to your mana pool. Tap. Add green or white to your mana pool. Talisman of un- unity deals one damage to you. So basically what the talisman were, they weren't like complete, like full on, like ramp. I mean, granted, they are ramp artifact stuff because you pay the mana. And when you come back your turn, you have un- have something that produces more mana for you now than you had available last turn. But you also had a way of actually having some filtering in there where if you needed a green or you really needed a white, you could use it. But you would have to uh, suffer a little bit for it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's more like. I would probably put that under color fixing, but I do really like the talisman cycle. So. But the thing is, it falls into the color fixing cycle because it does fix the colors for you because it does kind of tap for one or whatever color. But the reason I'm putting it into ramp is because, like, say, for instance, like, turn one, you play your land, you play your land or elf. Uh, that's basically going to be my cycle here. Turn two, you tap the land or elf, you tap the land, you've slapped down a talisman. You still have access to a single colorless green. 
uh, you have a single colorless or a green or a white, depending on what damage you want to take. If you play your land for that turn, you still have two mana. When turn three comes around, you have four mana. If you play the land for that turn, you have five. So it does ramp in a way. It's slow. Most ramp typically has to, like, in order for ramp to be of value, normally it has to produce just, a, it has to produce the amount of mana that you're putting into it or more in Commander. Like, you know, like, if you're producing, like, if you pay two two mana, like, a man, uh, single mana for a soul ring and getting two mana out of it, you're good. I've always considered, like, as long as it's one mana short of what it actually costs. Because mm-hmm. if it's one mana short of what it costs, then it's worth it, in my view. Because, you know, like, say, for instance, you played a Thran Dynamo, yeah, you paid four, but you're getting three out of it, that's fine. If you're playing the, like, uh, the... The Sapphire's Medallion, yeah, you pay two for it, but you could potentially get way more than two mana's worth out of it by using its ability. But then things like Unstable Obelisk become difficult to consider ramp, because even though it does give you the one colorless, it's closer to being more of a removal spell that produces colorless for you, as opposed to a colorless source of mana that can be used for something else. Alright, alright, I'm down with that. Yeah. So with the Talisman, you know, it's one mana. It's right there. And it also has the mana fixing on it. So I don't understand why the Talisman cycle doesn't get played more, in my view. I do. I think maybe now because, like, you know, color fixing has become so easy. I mean, not to, again, get off on an old man rant here, but I remember back in the day, color fixing used to be a pain in the ass, man. Like, there's there's a reason why non-basic lands are still some of my favorite things, because I got so excited about them back in the day, you know? Um, just finding something that would produce, like, three different colors of mana, you're like, holy shit. Um, or, like, City of Brass. Like, City of Brass was the goddamn nuts back in the day. Like, you could get any color of mana out of that thing and just yeah. play one life, you know? Um, and it's still amazing. Like, I still play City of Brass and everything. Pretty much every deck that's two colors or more has a City of Brass in it for me. Still does. Because I will easily pay that one mana to get any color of mana, or that one life, rather, to get any color of mana out of it. Um, Talisman, same thing. Um, there's probably better fixing, or maybe people are just, th- I mean, think about all the crazy things you can do with even, like, for one more mana, you get, uh, Chromatic Lantern nowadays, you know? Yeah. I mean, speaking of a goddamn artifact that I would put into any deck, that one's not necessarily ramp, but it, I mean, it has the fixing down for days, so that yeah. probably just overshadowed, uh, the Talisman cycle. Now, as yeah, far as I mean, artifact and, ramp and goes, for just like with the, as far as like the fixing is concerned, we do get like the refuges where it's like, yeah, the land comes in tapped, you gain one life, but it already does like the red or green or blue or white or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I can understand like it being lost in the shuffle of as far as mana fixing, not really worth it. As far as ramp, not really worth it. The two pieces together make it decent, but there's other cards that combine for can outperform the talisman cycle. True. But, you know, as far as, like, the Tosmans are concerned, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, I look at them, it's like, yeah, I get that other decks play, can find other things to play over them. They just seem like one of those, it's one of those cycles that is cheap, it's easy to get a hold of, no one's really playing it. So I couldn't, I, I find it difficult that more people don't just, like, use it as, like, the, like, yeah, you use your refuges or the guild gates because you don't have access to the monies to get this net third. Like, yeah, these are the cards that you use when you don't have access to other things as well. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe just me. Oh, no, I mean, it, it still works. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I still run the, the talismans too. 
I think it probably just because we're older, though, and we realize it. Like, if you're looking through nowadays, you're looking through Gather, or you're just looking at your, you know, your local shop trying to find a, a card for fixing for whatever, um, I guess the talismans probably just aren't going to show up, you know? Yeah. But, but oh. to round off, uh, Artifact Ramp, because I think we're probably coming to close this category, I just want to throw in two quick little shout outs. I mean, one shout out to Metalworker, which I don't really need to shout out because he's fucking amazing. But the clock cycle, it's kind of really a cycle. It's just two cards, really. Um, clock omens and unwinding clock. Like, if you're playing any sort of artifact theme, those cards need to go in your deck. One of them you can replay, clock of omens, just tap two untapped artifacts, which you can tap the clock itself to do, uh, to untap an artifact. So just, do artifact shenanigans, tapping on tapping, make all the manas. Uh, unwinding clock is just seaborne muse for um, for artifacts, untapping stuff on other people's turns on each up 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 keep step. Um, these cards just need to go in there. If you if you need if you were running a, a surfeit of artifact spells and artifact permanents, and you have uh, the need for an awful lot of artifact mana, that stuff needs to go in there, man. And while we're talking about like other artifacts and we're pulling out of the section, two I'm gonna just toss out there are my favorites are Astronaut's Altar. It basically lets you sacrifice a creature at two colorless mana to your mana pool, and it costs three colorless to cast. And I play it in my Maroth deck because I have doubling season in that deck, so it kind of just this Maroth and doubling season could potentially just go infinite. Come on, man. Now. How are you going to put Cost of the Hammer down in Shenanigans and you're not going to put... Like, I already put Ashnod's Altar down in Shenanigans. Because let's face it, it, you're doing something broken with Ashnod's Altar. Yeah, That's, it is. I mean, you know, like, I don't think I've ever seen a copy of Ashnod's Altar show up without actually leading into some type of brokenness. Mm-hmm. And the, that is the only reason to play version, the Altar. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's an artifact version of it that does the same thing where you sacrifice like an artifact and you get like the two mana. And even that one can just, like, like, Clan Ironworks, baby. Yeah, like, Ashnot's Altar is more broken because it just goes for any creature. The Ironworks, it's more like, yeah, you're really, like, digging deep for things to be, for, to make your play group hate you if you're playing it. <laughs> and, yep. Fucking love that card. And the other card that I kind of enjoy would be Workhorse. <laughs> like, oh, Christ. <laughs> I know it's a horrible card, Mark. Yes, I know you don't like it. But it's still one of those cards that I look at and it's like, you know what? I find it funny. Well, I thought, weren't you the guy who was shitting on Will for playing Lotus Guardian, man? Yeah, no. But the thing for me for workhorses is that I have it in my Doretti deck. So I have a tendency to just use, like, Doretti's ability to take an artifact from the graveyard and bring it back in. So I pop use all the it. counters off a of workhorse? Yeah, so I get workhorse in, have it down to, like, one counter after, like, basically using it for three feed it to Doretti to get rid of it to get back one of my other artifact things that I had to use or get back, like, a big creature or whatever. And then I pop off, like, maybe the Soul Ring to get back to Workhorse and use it to put the counters back in, have a nice body to block with occasionally, you know? Like, in that particular, like, in that deck, he is what his name states. He is a Workhorse. He's constantly being moved in and out. I never worry about paying the six because in most decks that I have him in, the six isn't important because he's cost nothing. I have other ways of getting him in without, act, without actually casting him. Or uh, ways to abuse his plus one, plus one counter ability. Alright, I can dig that. Have we just about wrapped up the uh, the artifact section, I think? Yeah, I was getting ready to move on into like the mana doubling section. Because that's, that's the next thing we have marked on our agenda here. Um, mana doublings are basically effects that when you use them, they find ways to double the amount of mana. Say for instance, whenever you tap a land for mana... It adds one mana to your mana pool of any type. 
that that land produces, like in Marori's Wake, which is three colorless, green, white, enchantment. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and when you tap a land for mana, do that thing I just said. God, Marari's Wake is such a good fucking card, man. But, you know, it's one of those few cards that kind of could, like, be mana doubling effects. These typically fall into, like, green for the most part that I can think of. Because the only ones I can think of off the top of my head are the Marari's Wake, uh, Mana Reflect, because that does, like, the mana doubling for everybody, mm-hmm. right? No, no, it's for you. It's for, yeah, it's for all permanents. You control. And, uh, Rite of Replication. No, not Rite of Replication. Rite of Flourishing? Oh, Flourish. Rites of Flourishing. Yeah, that one does it for everybody too, right? Each Rites of Flourishing yeah. does it for everybody. Um, there are, there are a bunch of green ones. There are some ones that, that I like and I, I like to give a little shout Actually, out no, to. No, 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 it wouldn't be Rites because Rites doesn't do the doubling. It allows each player Oh, to play, play additional well, land on their turn, but it doesn't. But I mean, that still counts as ramp though. I, you're right, that's not mana doubling. Um, I guess it's, like, we can't count mana doubling. We're, we're sure I'm just talking about mana here, right? Like, we're not talking about dumping more lands. Right. Okay. Which is, yeah, yeah, so in that, like, in that case, you're right. Doubling, that one we're talking count. about, like, yeah, it, it's something close to this and that and the third. Yeah. Like, Axelot's um, Octo would probably go closer to this than Wright's would, because it would double, because the amount of mana it produces. It's, it's possible. I don't know if I would throw, I don't know, I still don't think, I, Axelot's also has to go firmly in the shenanigans category for me, man. I mean, that, yeah. You know when that hits the table, there's shenanigans going on. Um, but for mana doubling, like there are there are a couple green cards that I really dig. Um, like Vernal Bloom, for instance. Uh, yeah. You have to be careful because some of these things work for everything. Like Vernal Bloom is just a three mana, three colors and one green for an enchantment. Whenever a forest is tapped for mana, its controller adds green to his or her mana pool. Um, so again, that works for everybody's forest. And if you're playing EDH, odds are somebody else gonna be playing a forest. Um, but that still works. Yep. Uh, oh, the, the big ones like Cage Sun or uh, yeah, like a uh, Cage Sun and what is it? Uh, the Gauntlet. Gauntlet of Power. Gauntlet of Power. Um, and then the the lens. God damn it! Why am I forgetting the lens, man? Um, so let's see here. What other? Actually, you know what? Something I completely extra plane our lens. Something we completely missed when we were talking about the artifacts. And now that we're talking about doubling mana. The uh, ever flowing chalice. You know, I wouldn't put that down. I don't think I put that down as under under mana doubling, man. I'm not saying after mana doubling. It's just like in the process of thinking of things that like did like more than just mana. Like it just came back to me. It it goes mostly into the artifact section. We're ignoring it Mm -hmm. right now. Has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Just wanted to make sure I toss that out there for someone since it's an email. I can't believe you forgot to Uh, talk about fucking. Thing. Well, I, then I suppose, I mean, but we don't have to mention all of them. Like, do we need to mention doubling cube in the mana doubling section? Like, I think yeah. that's kind of like a duh. Yeah. But, but nah. Nah, I wouldn't need to mention that. Doubling cube is actually pretty, like, just, and besides, <laughs> doubling cubes is kind of difficult for most players to get a hold of anyway. I mean, if you really, really need a doubling ability, you can get it. But in the same token, most people don't need it that bad. See, doubling cube for me, doubling cube for me, I don't know, I, I own a couple copies of it, and I've I've taken it out of all my decks because, you know, you meet. Well, hang on, let me just read. Let me just read the goddamn card before I get too far into this. So, Doubling Cube is a two mana artifact. Uh, you pay three mana and tap it to double the amount of each type of mana in your mana pool. But for me, you know, to really get, you need you need seven mana or more to get the, a good effect out of it. You know, because you're you're paying three mana. To double the amount of mana, so, you know, if, even if you have six mana in your mana pool, you're broke even. 
Yeah. If 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 you're hitting doubling cubes, so you need seven or more to get something out of it. Um. So I've never really, I don't know, I've never been a huge fan of doubling cube. It sits around, it's been in my trade binder, it's gone indexed, it's gone out of decks, uh, but I've never been a super huge fan of it. And I would say... When you tap it, it doubles, right? Yeah, you have, so you have, to, you have to pay three mana and tap it to double it. Um, uh. Yeah, see, that's the, and that's the thing, I never, that's why I never really liked it. Um, hmm. But there are, you know, going back to green for a minute, um, Carpet of no. Flowers... If you, put it in your te- if you put it in your Teferi deck, you might actually be able to get a little bit more use out of it, because you could untap that. Also true, but I thought you were the dude who hated Teferi, man. You just spent all that time in the last segment shitting on Teferi. I'm not like- shitting on Teferi. Teferi's <laughs> awesome. I'm just saying, like, in my meta, he's just a little too much. Oh, he's, he's fucking straight up broken. Like, right. the great, the great part about Teferi is, if you're doing it right, you're, 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 like, Teferi comes free with whatever you put down, you right. know? And the thing for Teferi is not, I'm not shitting on Teferi. Teferi is great. Teferi is an amazing card. I'm just saying that he's a little bit too busted for my deck play type. You know? It's like I like the idea of actually having a little bit of free time to play with my friends as opposed to just continuously going <laughs> off with infinite turns that I didn't even realize I fucking had. Ah, uh, that's the beauty of Teferi. Well, I mean, Teferi is really just like a turnabout. If you do it right, I mean, turnabout is just you get to untap all your all your lands and and permanents um for four mana, I believe, for what two colorless and two blue. Make sure I get that right. But, and turnabout, like that's that's another one with high tide. I mean, it, that's just a great one. So turnabout is sorry, it's tap or untap all artifacts, creatures, or lands target player controls. So you could use it to to tap down. You could use it for like you know like a sleep effect if you needed it to. Um, but for most of the time, you're just doing it for crazy ass shenanigans on your side, especially if you have any way to get it back. Um, right. Now going back to green for a minute for mana doubling. I don't know if this necessarily counts as mana doubling, but this is an awful lot of free fucking mana that I get off this card. Carpet of Flowers is a one mana green enchantment. During your main phase, you may add up to X mana of any one color to your mana pool, where X is the number of islands target opponent controls. So at any decent, decently sized play group. You're gonna have somebody who's playing blue. You're gonna have some islands somewhere. Um, Carpet of Flowers has never really disappointed for me. Uh, it's a, it's a little bit better I find than burgeoning because it's a little more under the radar. Like if you play burgeoning, which is a, a one mana, whenever any opponent plays a land, you may choose a land card from your hand and put it into play. Requires you to have a shit ton of cards, uh, land cards in your hand, and like it starts to draw a big old target on your head because you're putting a shit ton of cards out. Whereas Carpet of Flowers, you know, you just add mana to your mana pool, man. It's like, hey, buddy, I'm just, I'm just over here on my side. Yeah, it's my main phase. I'm just kind of adding some mana to my mana pool. You know, if it's a multicolored deck, you know, maybe just adding like two or three extra per turn. Um, so maybe it's not mana doubling per se, um, but it still is some nice extra. You know what? I'm gonna move this. I'm gonna put Carpet of Flowers in Incidental Ramp, as a matter of fact, because that's kind of what it is. Right, it's incidental if you're just playing it without intending on doing something broken with it. it he's putting it into, into incidental. I would kind of mark it under shenanigans because if you play <laughs> the carpet of flowers, right? But now here's the basic concept for it. During your main phase, you add mana to your mana pool for one mana of color or whatever, where X is the number of islands target opponent controls, right? Mm-hmm. But what you do is you follow that up by tossing down a Stormtide Leviathan and to turn all of your opponent's lands into islands, thereby making it so that now your carpet of flowers basically guarantees that you're getting mana out of it. 
Yeah, I suppose it probably does go in there, I guess. <laughs> See, but, you know, I'm just saying. But, like, you know, it's one of those things, like, if you're playing Carpet of Flowers into a deck that has blue and green in it, then you could play, like, uh, uh, what's the enchantment? The Spreading Seas? That, oh, like, the one that makes one? Yeah, chance, chance land turns into an island. I I you, have to say, uh, Carper Flowers. Somebody. That's you, true. Carper Flowers and Quicksilver Fountain is pretty sweet too. Yeah, yeah. Like you use spreading seas. You spreading seas. Someone's like um, Tomb of Yogmoth or like not like not Tomb of Yogmoth. Uh, Yogmoth. Urborg. Urborg. Tomb of Yogmoth. Yeah. So you like spreading seas. Someone's Urborg. Tomb of Yogmoth. Now all the lands are no longer swamps. They all turn into island. Like they all turn back into what they were. The Herborg mm-hmm. is now an island, and then you play down the carpet flower, and you're able to get extra mana because you've turned someone's thing that was turning all of your stuff into swamps into an island. And that's how you get sick rubs. That's pretty sweet. So let's see here. Let me click back on show notes to see where we are. We're still on mana doubling. I think we're about ready to move on to shenanigans. What do you think? Yeah, just about. Because, like, as far as mana doubling is concerned, the things that I can think of, I've already mentioned. Like, there's the Marius Wake, and then there's the Mana Reflection, and there's a few other things in there. Basically, these things are useful. I just realized I'm an idiot because I should have pulled out my group hug deck, because that's where all my Mana Doubler effects are. I'm trying to think. I mean, there's none really for white. Let's see if I can find some decent ones for red. I mean, besides the ones we already kind of talked about. I mean, you know, in like, like in that aspect, Hoff comes like close as I can think because he does. Yeah, no, doubling, that's true. But he does it for like all the lands, and all the mountains you control. Oh, that's true. Yeah, so maybe we should move Koth under uh, mana doublers. I mean, instead of shenanigans, what do you think? Yeah, sure. Toss him into the mana doubler because there, at least in the mana doublers in that section, Koth is considered a mana doubler. He's not just randomly shenaniganing everything. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that might do it for for mana doublers for this section, man. I mean, besides you know the obvious ones that we kind of talked about, um, but I can't really think of anything else that we missed. So uh, that's about think? it. Yeah, so let's, let's, move, let's on move on to shenanigans. Shenanigans. Yep. Best things ever. Now, when I think shenanigans, the first thing I think of is uh, perilous forays and bloodgast. So if anyone if anyone out there hasn't had the pleasure of running this one, I'll uh, I'll explain it. Perilous Forays. First of all, Perilous Forays is just one of my favorite green enchantments anyway. It's out of the original Ravnica block. It's three colorless and two green for an enchantment. You pay one to sacrifice a creature. Search your library for a land card with basic land type. Put it into play tap and shuffle your library. This goes extremely well with Bloodgast. Um, Bloodgast is a vampire spirit for two black or two black mana. He's a 2-1. No one gives a shit about anything on there except for the fact for except for the landfall trigger, which is whenever a land enters the battlefield under control, you may return blood gas from your graveyard to the battlefield. So, as long as you have Carlos mana to pay for the perilous forays, you can continue to return blood gas over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Uh, the key, one of the key cards for shenanigans that I'm gonna toss out there is just life from the loam in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, that is a shenanigans. Because the card itself, because it, it, this isn't like a broken combo. It's a card that is a broken combo in and of itself. Basically, what life from the loams is, it's a uh, one colorless, one green. It's a sorcery, and that seems pretty simple enough, right? 
but it has the ability, it basically has the text on it that reads, return up to three target land cards from your graveyard to your hand. Now, that doesn't really seem all that bad, because you could just pay three. You just pay two, you know, you like someone blew up your, someone cast Armageddon, blew up all your stuff, fine. You get two lands down, you can kind of slowly rebuild from your graveyard. But the thing for Life on the Loam is, it has another piece of text on it that says, Dredge 3. And for those that don't know what Dredge 3 is, if you would draw a card, instead you may put exactly three cards from the top of your library into the graveyard. If you do, you can return this card from your graveyard to your hand. Otherwise, draw a card. So pretty much what happens with Life on the Loam is, is that you pay two mana, you get the lands, you add them to your hand, you play them. You still don't have enough mana? Okay, fine. You pay, you go to draw your card. Instead of drawing, you just hit dredge again. You put three more cards off the top of your library into your graveyard, potentially hitting another land or two or three. If the top three cards were land, congratulations, you just got three lands to get back with life from the loan. But because it's up to three, you don't always have to go for three. So even if you only hit one, you can pay two mana and then get it back and can repeat this process over and over again to the point where you may never draw cards, but you can always make sure you always have land as long as you have Life from the Loam. Life from the Loam is so sweet. I was talking to um, Grandpa Growth about this a little while ago. Now, I mean, in 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 the sense of what it does, Life from the Loam and Crucible Worlds are pretty much the only two pulling lands out of your graveyard shenanigans, that, uh, or at least the, the two most popular. There aren't a whole lot that do it. You know, some will put it to your... Hand like you know, there's loaming shamans, a couple other ones here, but really, life from the loam and um, crucible. crucible are the only ones. I personally would like to see more of those effects, but I can imagine how broken they are because everyone does broken silly shit with crucible, and everyone does some broken silly shit with life from the loam. So adding more graveyard land shenanigans probably not a good idea. It's probably one of those things I think I want, and then when it comes and it actually happens, I'm probably gonna hate it. Yeah, um, and then you I could deal with like, like, you know, you didn't really want it that bad. Yeah. But I could deal with maybe like one or two more cards. Like, don't give me a cycle of this shit. You know, don't like crazy double down on it. But I would like maybe one or two, maybe. But you see, that's a, but you see, therein lies the problem, though, Mark. See, Wizards doesn't like to go with like the one or two maybes. Yeah, like, if they <laughs> see something like, 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 you know, like, oh, you like, oh, you, you like Life from the Loam? You like Crucible? You know what? Our cards are Crucible. Oh, the know, crucibles! Yeah. Next, next thing you know, we've got the lands from your graveyard matters set, and mm-hmm. it's like reverse Zendikar. It's like the lands are rising up from the grave to meet you, and everyone's unhappy. All of them. That's why we can't have nice things, man? Yeah. 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 But uh, well, but you know, like Life from Alone combined with Crucible is also really good for shenanigans because it's like yeah. You're feeding stuff into your graveyard, but since Crucible allows you to play a land from your graveyard, you can go right ahead and do that. And then if you have life, you can just go right ahead and just take the cards out of the graveyard anyway. So, so. True. Other pieces of shenanigans here. Uh, uh, I already talked about Ashnot's Altar. Uh, basically yeah. I mean, the one we didn't Altar. cover was, uh, we didn't cover Phyrexian Altar. Oh yeah, Phyrexian Altar. Go ahead and do your thing. Also, also shenanigans. Phyrexian Altar, real simple. It's just the, the colored mana version of Ashnod's Altar. You, you sacrifice a creature, you get one mana of any color. So, three mana artifact. It's amazing. Um, you have a token deck, you should be running Phyrexian Altar probably too. Um, again, this, this firmly goes under the shenanigans category. Uh, because if you are, you're sacking stuff, you're getting any, any mana you want out of that sucker. Yep. 
Now you're not getting like more mana as you put in, you know, with like a Kark Clan uh, or Ash Nods, but man, still really good. You would take that, especially for I've used this for some some kind of like shenanigans color fixing token decks before, specifically particularly if you're running like an off color or like a three color or wedge for um shenanigans deck like that. Like a, I have a buddy of mine that gets an awful lot of use out of Phyrexian Altar in the Lesha deck, you know, like a, a Lesha Reanimator deck. Because mm-hmm. just that Mardu color combination, sometimes a pain in the ass. You can get screwed on it if you don't get, you know, you don't get the the right mix. Because uh, without green, it's it's a little hard, and you know those colors aren't always the best at, at drawing cards unless you get some sweet black lady finger sweet action going on. So it works. All right. And thing for. Frexian Altar, like, it works in those color combinations, like, like Mark said, like Mardu. They don't really get much of the ability to fix their lands. They don't really get much. They're, like, in those color combinations, like, say, like Mardu, Jeskai, and stuff like that. Like, the ones where it's like, yeah, it's like there's no green available to it. It's very, like, what was it? That would be like Esper, Mardu, Jeskai, and, what's the other one? Grixis. Right? Those are the ones that don't have any green on. And those typically have difficulties, like, getting the right color combinations. Because if they don't draw them naturally, they normally don't have, like, some artifacts to give it to them. Or they don't have, like, some land that just does it. They're just kind of stuck. Whereas, like, with green, it's like, if you get stuck with a bunch of fours, you can just go ahead and cast this and search for your white mana source. And you cast this and you can search for your red source or whatever, and you're fine. As far as, like, the uh, Crux Clan Ironworks... I ended up using that a few times in my Esper deck because I could use that to sacrifice like the Sword of the Meek to get the colorless mana I needed to be able to pump mana into stuff. And I consider the the Ironwork to be like the sixth member of that weird, uh, what was it, the station cycle? Station combo, baby. Yeah, because that's just like one of those weird things where like it produces the mana necessary to be able to do a whole bunch of other stuff needed to do other things. Also true. Yeah. And, and also, if you get that Thopter assembly going, no, is it th- Man, I, yeah, I love the Thopter assembly. Th- the one that like blue blocks. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. Wait, Thopter. Thopter assembly is the the five mana creature that pops uh, back to your hand, and leaves five little Thopters out there. No, not Thopter assembly. What is the Thopter? It's a blue. Black, white enchantment. It puts in, it is like you pay mana, you get a colorless Thopter token, and you gain one life. And it brings the Sword of the Meek back. Thopter Foundry? There we go. Thopter yeah. Foundry. I got the wrong Thopter. Fucking, I have been abused by that goddamn Sword of the Meek combo. Fuck that combo, man. Oh, God. Yeah, but, oh. when, you, yeah, but when you combine that combo with the clan, with the Ironworks, then yeah, you could just shenanigans. like yeah shenanigans because you could just go ahead and pop off the sword of meek and now <laughs> looky who's got two colorless mana. To but see, that's not. <laughs> God damn it, man! That's not how that works though, because anybody who's playing that shit is also playing that that goddamn uh oh shit that give you extra turns for sacking um uh, uh time player yeah time sieve. So if you you know you're playing time sieve if you see sword of the meek and you see Thopper Foundry and fuck Time Sieve because that's just the Esper player whacking off and taking all the, the turns, man. Yeah, I have oh. that combo in my Esper deck too. Of course, of course you have that combo in your Esper deck because it's like one of the best combos in fucking Esper, but it's yeah. still annoying as shit when you're on the opposite side of that. A buddy of mine used to run that in a Sentriplets deck. God damn, that was fucking annoying. 
as hell. You, you think Oy. you think that's annoying? I had a affinity deck that I built for sixty card that had that combo in it. Oh, Jesus Christ! Oh, yeah, man, Jesus. that was amazing. Oh, you're a bad person. All, 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 person. all, 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 all the little <laughs> artifact land. Oh, you're such a bad person. All the affinity uh-huh. creatures that just showed up for zero now because it's just artifacts here, and all, all of a sudden, like, look, oh my God, would you look at that? I've got all of these. And now I can just oh. draw all these extra cards because I have all this affinity. Because what was it? Most of the uh, uh, affinity cards. Is that Thirst for Knowledge? No, that's yeah, the one we get. Thirst for Knowledge is the one where you draw three, but you can have to discard two. Would you, are you looking for the Thirst, the uh, affinity where you draw cards? Yeah, it is an affinity spell that lets you draw cards for like a blue, basically. I don't remember what the rest what, of thought, it is. Thought Cast? There we go. Thought Cast? Is that what it is? Yeah. You cast, that's, uh, cast it's... And you draw two cards. Mm-hmm. But it costs like four. It's like triple. It's like three colors. Yeah, it costs four mana and four and a blue normally. Uh, but but, in, that, but in that deck, that thing was always a blue. Yep. And man, I, I used to love that deck. It used to go off. And I had a cop. And also had a copy of um, not not Staff of Domination. Isochron Scepter. I had a copy of Isochron Scepter in there. And a couple. And the sideboard was a bunch of like split cards that were like two mana on one side, mm-hmm. but cost something else. Like I think I had like Research and Development. Mm-hmm. Ah, I just love that oy, deck. Oy, oy. That deck was right. But then I had oh. to break it apart because no formats actually allow Affinity anymore in its proper form. So let's see, Incidental Ramp, uh, let's see here. You have uh, Kyamitra, the God of the Harvest. That's my favorite one. I was actually just playing, I got I got wrecked on some Incidental Ramp from this the other day when I was playing Grandpa Growth. Uh, Kyamitra, the God of the Harvest, if anyone doesn't know, she is... Come on, don't fail me now, Gatherer. Karametra is um, probably one of the shittiest of the God Cycles, uh, but in the right deck, like in a creature-heavy deck, she can pull out... I I have pulled out every single basic land of mine in my Karador deck with this this chick before. Mm -hmm. Uh, She is a legendary enchantment creature god. She's five mana, three colorless, and uh, Selesnia, so a green and a white. Whenever you cast a creature spell, you may search your library for a forest or a plains card, put it onto the battlefield tap, and shuffle your library. Now, it has to be cast a creature spell, uh, which, so, like, you know, token decks aren't gonna get the benefit of that. But in any place when you're casting, or you have the ability to cast more than one creature a turn, or even just one creature a turn, just get an extra land, even if it comes to the battlefield tap, like, getting an extra land a turn will still put you ahead in a couple of turns. You know, before I knew it, on turn, I don't know, turn seven or eight, I was looking across the field at like 12 or 13 lands at, on uh, Grandpa Growth's side of the field. And uh, yeah, that put me under pretty quick. So She's not great. Like I wouldn't windmill slammer into any deck, but if you've got like a creature-heavy deck, like if you're running, I would say you'd have to be running at least like 30, 35, 35 creatures, I think, over 30 to make her really worth it. Like in my Carador deck, I run 44 creatures. I'm always casting something and casting shit from the graveyard. Like, she's always getting me some some kind of value. Um, she's definitely worth it for Incidental Ramp. Yeah, exactly. And let's see here. Another key card for Incidental Ramp would also be, what is it, Omnath, the Locus of Mana. He's a two colorless. He's a green legendary creature. Basically, his text is, he's a 1-1. He's a legendary elemental. His text basically reads, uh, Green Mana doesn't empty from your mana pool at the end of the steps or phases. So pretty much like any mana you tap that hasn't been used gets carried over until Almanac dies. And his ability, he has another ability that says uh, he gets plus one, plus one for each green mana in your mana pool. So pretty much he's a one-one for three. But 
on the next turn, when you come back around, if you got three mana and you just tap it, it just sits in your mana pool, and then he becomes a 4-4. And depending on how you're doing your mana doublings, or if you're playing, like, artifacts that give you green mana, like a emerald, like, not emerald medallion, like an emerald um, stone. What's the, uh, what was it? Not the Mox Ruby. Well, yeah. Are we talking about cost reducers or just extra mana? The extra mana one. It was the ones that came in the previous blue, in the previous set that they come, the land, the land comes in tap. It's an artifact that comes in tap, but it produces one color of your color. Oh, the, uh, the, the diamond cycle? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that night. Like, yeah, the, um, like, they had the sky diamond, the green one was... The moss diamond? Moss, whatever it was. Maybe something, whatever, the green diamond. It's, it's the diamond cycle. There's a, there's a green diamond in there. It, it comes in tapped. It's, co- it's too colorless. It's an artifact, and when you tap it, it adds green to your mana. You can use that. It can put mana to your Omnath deck. It's basically a, a artifact, a artificial forest. And anything else that you have that's green that can produce mana can also go right into that deck as well. So. Wicked sweet. Let's see here. Other shenanigans. There's another green card. There's another card that does that same effect, isn't it? Because I know um, there was an enchantment that did that. Yeah. That said mana did not drain from your mana pool. Yeah, but it's it's everybody's mana pool, though. I mean, there's also... There's the other god, um, Krufix. I mean, Krufix does the same thing, but it's only everything becomes colorless mana, and it doesn't drain from your mana pool. So you can float some mana like that, uh, which is pretty good. Um... I forget the name of the enchantment, but the enchantment's not worth playing, to me anyway, because the enchantment allows everybody to float mana in their mana pool, and that's not a great idea. <laughs> at least at least in practice, it has not been a great idea for me, um, unless you want to incidentally ramp everybody. Maybe it's good in a in a group hug deck, you know, if you're if you're running for that, I don't know. Certainly no one, none of your opponents are going to blow up that enchantment, that's for damn sure. Um, but for, for more incidental ramp, uh, there's another card I really like called Avenging Druid. Huh. Avenging Druid is a 1-3 Druid duh, uh, for two colorless and a green. Um, whenever Avenging Druid deals damage to an opponent, you may reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a land card. Now, not just basic land card, any land card, which is why I really like Avenging Druid. If you do, put that card onto the battlefield and put all other cards revealed this way into your graveyard. Um, I run Avenging Druid in my Sadisi deck while I'm just looking to put crap in my graveyard anyway. So he's a bonus in that if I throw him against somebody, I don't really give a shit about the one point of damage, but just running any land and the fact that he can hit non-basic lands is a huge one, because non-basic land ramp is actually pretty hard to come by, so that dude does some double duty for me. So, real quick, I took the term, What? let's see here, what is it that Omnath says specifically? I took the words, mana does not empty from your mana pool as steps and phases in, and I copied mm-hmm. it and I pasted it into the gatherer to see what other cards came up. That enchantment never showed up that I was looking for. But about like That enchantment other... you're looking for is uh, Upwelling. Yeah, Upwelling never showed up. But four other cards did pop up that I didn't even know of. Okay. And, okay. Are I ready for this? Other cards that are similar to um, Omnath in this particular aspect. There's a Savage Bent Maw, which is four colorless red-green dragon from, uh, I believe it's Dragons of Tarkir. Yeah, yeah he's just, uh, flying. yeah, he's pretty sweet, man. And when he, whenever he attacks, you add six mana to your mana pool. Uh, three of its red, three of its green. Until end of turn, this mana does not empty from your mana pool at, as steps and phases end. So basically, you have six mana that will stay in your pool as you're going through your entire second main phase and 
if you happen to have additional combat phases or whatever, you get to keep all of that. It goes through the entire battle phase in your mana pool. Oh, used for combat tricks or whatever. And then when you end your turn, it dissipates and goes away. There's a Sakura Tribe Spring Caller, which is a three colorless, one green snake shaman or two four at the beginning of your upkeep. Add a green mana to your mana pool. And it does the same thing. That mana stays in your pool until the end of turn. So basically, like, it shows up. Your turn starts. Oh, it's your upkeep. You get a green mana. It's still your first main. Green mana still sitting there. Combat phase, green mana sitting there till you use it. So if you combine most of these cards with Omnath, outside of the dragon, because you can't play Omnath and that dragon in the same deck unless you're playing red and green. But if Omnath is a leader, he can take pretty much all of these cards and take and basically erase that whole like until end of turn. And all of these can produce some form of mana one way or another. Like uh the mother of summer, uh Saki. I was just about to say Sakiko. She is my favorite of that cycle. Yeah, whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, add a green mana to your mana pool until end of turn. Discard this mana doesn't empty from the pool until the end phase or whatever. And there's a mark of Sakiko, which is an enchantment enchant creature. When this creature deals combat damage to a player, add green to your mana pool until end of turn. This mana doesn't empty from your mana step until the end of the mana step. Blah blah blah. blah. And that aura is uh, one color, one green. Yeah, the only one I would recommend against playing, because I, I have played it in my snake stack, and duh, obviously I play a couple of these in the snake stack, is uh, Shisiko, Caller of Autumn, because that one is symmetrical. So at the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player adds three green mana to his or her mana pool. So like the same reason I wouldn't play like Mages of the Vineyard, or Eldam- El- Eladomri's Vineyard, or however the fuck you pronounce that elf's name. Uh, same reason I wouldn't pre- I wouldn't do it here. Unless you're playing, for some reason, you're playing a group hug deck uh, that really wants to give three extra mana to somebody at the beginning of their upkeep. I mean, it's going to go away, so it's upkeep. And uh, unfortunately, though, like, it doesn't cause mana. It it also has the doesn't cause mana burn until end of turn. The mana doesn't empty from that player's main main pool or mana pool as phases end. Um, so you're you're basically just giving them an extra three mana to do whatever the hell they want. So... I I wouldn't do that if I was playing, but I mean, sure, if you wanna if you wanna go out there and you know rock it out, go for it. And just for a clarification for any of our younger listeners who don't know what mana burn is, there was a point in time in Magic history where if you had excess mana that was not used by the end of a phase or a step, it would deal that much damage to you. Say, for instance, you had you tapped your lands and your artifacts, and somehow you ended up producing seven mana but you needed, like, a six, and you only used six, and you had that one extra one floating in your mana pool, when you ended the main phase and entered your combat phase, it would leave your mana pool like it currently does now, but you would also take one point of damage. Potentially, this would be something that could hurt and or kill you, depending on the usage of your spells and abilities. Wizards got rid of it a while ago. It hasn't been around for a very long time. But, you know, it's just something that used to occur. I used to enjoy it because I used to use it to kill myself at the end of certain turns. I would like to, I would like, no, like, no, you're not going to beat me. I'm going to tap my lands. I'm going to end my phase. I'm going to kill myself. Suicide. But now I can't do that. Now I just have to just concede, which is no, not nearly as fun as the death by mana. Ritual suicide, always preferable. That's the lesson today, folks. Uh, for the last incidental ramp card, I'm going to throw this one out there. This one I, I've written about before in an article, and I've been playing it in... It has to be played in a dedicated graveyard deck. Obviously, it doesn't... It won't work, but um, I've had a lot of success with it. Or I've had a lot of fun with it, rather. 
Charmed Pendant. Charmed Pendant is four colorless mana. It's an artifact. You tap it and put the top card of your library into your graveyard. For each colored mana symbol in that card's mana cost, add one mana of that color to your mana pool. Activate this ability only anytime you cast an instant. I don't know why they bother to put that on there, but whatever, it's instant speed. So the example they give is, if, for example, if the card's mana cost is three colorless, blue, blue, and black, you add blue, blue, black to your mana pool when you activate it. So if you have a deck, particularly like I play in my Sadisi deck, where I'm usually like a couple colors off, and most of my cards in that deck have like two, sometimes two different color symbols, like, you know, like a Duskmantle Guild Mage, for instance. I flip him off the top, I get a blue and a black, so I can do something else with him if I need to. And he's also in my graveyard, and there's a bunch of other shenanigans you can do with graveyard things. You guys don't need me to tell you graveyard shenanigans. Um, but for Incidental Ramp, that one's pretty good. So if it's If you're in a graveyard deck, and what you want to do is put creatures in your graveyard, and you could use a little extra mana, that one's not bad. Okay, everybody, so basically... We've already done everything we can talking about with ramp. There's plenty of other cards out there, plenty of other ramp strategies out there, but just between the two of us, we've covered like a large portion of the bases. So it's just about time for us to go ahead and do the out. So here's the point where I'm just going to say we're going to do the outro. And here comes the point where the music will be coming in. And I'm going to start the outro now. Okay, hey everybody, thanks to you for coming out to deal with us here at Commander's Cast for episodes 219. I'm going to thank my friend Mark here for taking time to come over here and avoid all of the drunken women running through his house. Hey, you're welcome, man. You know, uh, whenever you need someone to not go out on Friday night, I think I'm your man. I think that's the perk of being in my mid-30s. So Now that we've gone ahead and done this, it's time for us to give you all of our contact information. Uh, Mark, go ahead and give them that stuff that you tell them not to contact you at. <laughs> Sweet. Um, I continue my uh, self-imposed exile from social media. So you guys can hit me up on my Gmail. It's just MahlerMA, M-A-H-L-E-R-M-A, at gmail.com. Yep. That's down in the show notes in case you happen to miss it if you don't feel like hearing Rewind. And now here comes the point where I will give you my contact information. My name is Calvin. I'm also known as Captain Reds on my internet. And if you want to hit me up, you can hit me up with an email, Gmail, at CaptainRedZone at gmail.com. Or you can go over to Twitter and hit me up at CaptainRedZone. But if that's not all you want to do, you want to actually contact us here, the entire group, me, Mark, William, Clay, hit us up. You can go shoot an email over to CommanderCast at gmail.com. Or you can follow us at Twitter at CommanderCast. With that... I'm not going to tell you how to contact Will, because I don't really remember it offhand. I know it's like Blue Ram stuff or whatever the case may be. But I will tell you this much. You can go check us out on Facebook. We have a page there that Commander Cast is using. You usually ran by myself and Judson and Waffle Cone. Uh, let's see. You can also tweet us. We've already done that. We've already talked about the email. You can leave a review for us on iTunes, and we'll read it off. Any five-star reviews that happen to show up will make it to the air. And William will read those because I, personally, being old and grumpy, have no idea on how to operate an iTunes. So I have no way of figuring out how to read these comments. I don't even know if he's getting them. I personally think he's making them up. And if that's not all, you can always shoot over, hit us up on our Reddit link, 
And over there, you can jump into all the various discussions. Most of our shows, most of our articles, and all the stuff that happens here on the main page has your own sub-forum or sub-article like set forum on Reddit. And if you go over there, you can click it. You can go in there and talk about how you like the show, talk about how you like the article. Or you can just go in there and, you know, tell us how much you think we suck. Whichever, you know, whatever the case may be. Just keep in mind that we do have admins over there. So here's the point where we're going to send a huge thank you to everyone who contributes to our site because they are obviously some of the greatest and most wonderful people that we know. The music for our show is the X Meets Heavy Metal series by 331E Rock. You can check his stuff out on YouTube and hit him up and support his Patreon. But we will see you next week, hopefully complete, with all of our members here. For more community, more strategy, and more technology. And until then, uh, Mark, can you do the last three words for me? Let's get it! When I was talking with Cassidy, he tried. He basically was convincing me that um, Fumunda cheese isn't that bad because he doesn't look at the effect that it does. He just looks at it as like a nice body that has haste for a cheap cost. No. And I was sitting there looking. I was like, so basically, as a Boros commander for you, it's not the fact you, you could just take a black sharpie and just scrub off the allied stuff. You would just you for a Boros legend. You were just looking for something that was like a three four for four mana that you could cast like two or three times in a game that had haste so you could just smack people with it. He's like, yeah, that's all I really wanted. And I was like, you know what? Hmm. No, As an man. ally, he don't sucks. No, but don't now go you, down, but no, now, don't go down that road, man. No. <laughs> but then like, as I'm thinking about it, I was like, no, no, no. Okay. I, like, I don't, I don't think I argued with him because I was in the process of drinking. Yeah. But in the same, but the same token, like, part of my brain like started thinking, I was like, okay. Yeah, if I just took a black sharpie and I just erased all the stuff on this card that sucked. Man, come on, that's just the alcohol talking, but, man. Then that's what I'm thinking, like, what I play this. Wait, and hold like, on. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Now, what you're describing, man, is the fact that you and Cassidy had beer goggles for Fremonda Cheese. That's what you're describing right now. Like, Fremonda Cheese was the fat chick at the end of the bar, and the more you drank, you're like, man, she's looking good tonight. You know, yeah. as, a, as the rest of the good-looking girls like, exit the bar, uh, the rest of the Boros commanders go away. You're like, yeah. You know what? It is not? red, and it is white. <laughs> I mean, it could be worse. I mean, it does have haste. Mm-hmm. See, man, you can't do that, man. You can't do that. <laughs> that's, nope, that's how bad things happen. I'm just, I'm yeah. just saying. And, then, and, then, and that's how you wake up with, uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how you wake up and have to gnaw your arm off and, like, run out the window, man. Uh-uh. You wake up after a drunken stupor and you have a fucking Fremunda Cheese deck. Yep. See? Friends don't let friends play Fremunda Cheese. Fuck. Fuck. Alright. I didn't want, I didn't want to talk about Fremunda Cheese two weeks in a row. <laughs> I can't do it, man.
God damn. God damn it, Zach. Oh. Well, I don't know, All man. Right. I was kind of psyched we are doing the podcast tonight because I had to go hide upstairs because a wave of fucking estrogen walked into my house tonight because my wife was picking up all the girls oh, for a girls' oh. night. So, and then there was just, there was like martinis and fucking high-pitched giggling and shit in my kitchen. And I don't know, my cat was fucking terrified and she ran upstairs under the bed and I was a little terrified, so I didn't want to go downstairs. And they went out to dinner like around just like 10 minutes before the podcast started, before, before we started recording, like quarter after seven. And I don't know, I heard doors outside, so I don't know if they came back for round two or not, so I'm a little scared. So so, what, so, so how many friends is this? It's like, I think like four, four of our friends from work, so, so that's enough. So, so basically right now, ladies and gentlemen, Mark has about potentially, potentially has about like five happy-go-lucky, potentially drunk women downstairs in his house. And where is he? Upstairs, in his attic, curled up in a corner, talking on a phone about magic with me. Hell yeah! Hell yeah, and I feel yeah. special. Exactly. <laughs> so. Look, man, I'm just, I'm just saying, when, you know, when the girls' night out happens, and you're the husband, you get the fuck out of that room. So, yeah. that's what happens. That's, that's just what happens. Occasionally, sounds I might like, get dragged into a conversation against my will. Um, sounds like a book club meeting. Girls' yeah. night in. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, don't worry. Like book club happens at my house every once in a while too, and that's definitely a night that I get the fuck out of here. So yeah, and they're even touch books. They just sit back and talk. Like only book they talk touch is like Seventeen, going back to their high school days, talking about like the cute boys in a magazine. And then <laughs> and when one of them recognizes him, it's like that's uh, little Bobby from down the street. I used to change him. Was he doing a shirtless in his magazine? It's just I didn't realize pretty. he was so hot. It's not pretty, man. It's just not a pretty thing. So. Um, I guess we could probably like include extra turn if we get into details and do a compare and contrast of it versus ramp. Hmm. I haven't thought about extra turn. I mean, that is kind of ramp. I always think of extra turn is like combo because that's usually how I get smashed on a combo victory. You know, someone will just take all the fucking turns and then just smash me in the face. Yeah. So, but you know, you're right. But still, no, like, that, that does count as ramp. You know, like you know, you played a spell or activated some type of an ability. You're gonna quote unquote take another turn. Which mm-hmm. basically means you're gonna put down another land. All of your lands are gonna untap, so you basically paid nothing for the spell. And anything you quote unquote did that turn still counts, but you know, you got an extra land out of it. You're moving ahead a little bit faster. It's kind of blues way of ramping without like artifact based stuff or something extremely like specific in blue, like, yeah, you can get all this mana, but it's gotta be used on mirror. You well, can't man. do it with <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's weird, man. Like, the, the only thing I can think of off the top of my head for ramp in blue is the spell shaper. You know what I mean? That that mm-hmm. blue, what, Dreamweaver or Dream something? What the hell is his name? Um, oh, shit. Why am I fucking falling down on it? God damn it. Dream something. What the fuck is that goddamn spell shaper's name? The one that lets you harrow. Like, like don't look to me for names. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I like, like, I'm, I'm just, like, if we're looking, like, no, this will probably be, like, the, let, look, like, no name dropping will be at current on this particular episode. There'll be a whole lot of, yeah, you know that card in that color that does that thing? Yeah, this is just like that, but it's in green. <laughs> and I'm going to be sitting there like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Don't know the name of it either. And Alyssa's going to be at home like, what the fuck are they talking about? Dreamscape artist. There we go. That's the only yeah. ramp in blue that I know of. Let's see here. That I would think of as ramp. I mean, Electro Harrow, so. Let's see, this dreamscape artist, there's, I know there's another, like, blue creature that, like, gives artifacts, like, 
uh, that does like ramp for artifacts. I mean, there's one, there's one that just came out. There's um, oh shit, let me see it. It's another one of my damn decks. Just like high tide, high tide. Yeah, actually, like, that's a good like, point. Like, I should put it in a like, little spell based, spell based ramp. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I didn't notice until recently that high tide has like a black brother. Oh yeah, man. It um, does a bubbling swamp. muck. Yeah, bubbling muck, but it's at like sorcery speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not as like, cool. And I was like, no wonder no one likes you because your sorcery speed. <laughs> But then I started thinking about it. It's like, but you know what? It's pretty good, man. It will use that because you know having access to all that extra black mana mm-hmm. ain't too ain't too shabby. Because you know if I'm doing it on my turn anyway, all that mana is just going to be used to cast something big on my turn anyway. I mean, granted, I'm not going to be countering everything that falls out of anybody's hand on their turn and getting my mana for free. But at least with this, it's like I can still get a chance to use it and whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! What the hell? There is um. There's a really good one for, um, shit, what's the spell? There's a spell that gives you one black mana for each, each creature in your graveyard. Damn, I use it in my, my Gisa deck, too. Hey, oh, shit. A spell? Yeah. What the I know, it? I know there's a land that does that. Yeah, that's the, um, like the Crypt of Argument. Yeah, Crypt of Agadim or whatever Agadim. the fuck it is. Yeah. God damn it. Well, listeners, this is gonna be fucking exciting for you people. Shit, you're gonna have to truncate silence all over the fucking place tonight, man. Yeah, that's alright. Like, my view of it is, is like, as long as we actually have a Commander Cast episode that has a topic in it that we discuss, as opposed to just being, here's a random episode filled with random topics by random things, <laughs> most of which might not even have anything to do with magic, I'm good. Oh, Songs of the Damned. There we go. Add black to your mana pool for each creature in your graveyard. It, it's from Ice Age. That's why I knew it, because I, I almost put it in one of my Commander 95 decks. Uh, see, that's the thing. Like, I, I, I wouldn't have known that, because I Shit, didn't, I didn't play during that. Ice Age. I, I did not play during Ice Age either, because after the uh, the double whammy that was Homelands and Fallen Empires, I said, fuck this game, for about mm, 15 years or so. So Songs of the Damned. Yeah. See, now I need to get this. You know, that's why I love Commander 95, man. There's some crazy shit that came out of, like, a lot... Not alliances, because that's not Commander 95 legal. Duh. But there's some crazy shit that came out of Ice Age. You know? uh, and it was an interrupt, so it gets, like, old-school go- hipster cred. I'm going straight to Cool Stuff, Inc. Click. I'm I'm check, I'm price-checking this bad boy right now. <laughs> I can't wait to see how much Songs of the Damned goes for. I'm going to guess 15 cents. Songs of the Damned. Click. Uh, played oh. version goes for 25. Damn. Near, near mint is 35 cent. Whole shit breaking the bank over there. Yeah, man. And with that, I will now click add to cart. <laughs> Look, I'm sorry. This is a card that would go amazing in my Belfort of the File deck. Now, the fucked up part is, is that now I've got to go through my Belfort of the File deck to find something to take out <laughs> to put this in, which is going mm-hmm. to be a bitch. But in the same token, because with all the dredge that that deck does and creature filling into the graveyard, plus I need the extra mana to cast Belfdor anyway. Mm, yeah, for a while, I mean, so, so I could for like pay a straight up ritual, and, man, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, so it's like, you know, just continue doing my regular thing. If I have this, hold it, hold it, hold it. Everything's good? Good. Pay a single black. Now with that one swamp that I used, I will cast Belfdor, activate his ability, get rid of him. I still have X amount of swamp mana left over. Maybe I'll cast him again, depending on what occurs, and then just go from there. And with it being an interrupt, I can do it at instant speed, so. 
tell you, sometimes, especially in black, I find myself needing, like, just a little bump. You know what I mean? Like, I need six mana and I only have five or something. Whereas if I had, like, a ritual effect or something like that, I mean, it's not a ritual effect, but it's close enough. You know, like a little, a little rampy bump, um, it could just put you over the top, man. Yeah, trust me, this is gonna be a ritual. This is gonna be close to, like, what's that, Thieving Songs? In oh, red? Yeah. The one where mm-hmm. you pay, like, the mana and you get, like, the five red out of it? Yep. And that, yeah, this is gonna be, like, a Thieving Songs in my mono black deck. Probably, it's probably just gonna be a single black for, like, two Thieving Songs, potentially. That must be a pain in the ass to edit for you, too, man. That's a lot of shit to put together. With the dangly bits? Yeah. No. The dangly bits are extremely easy because I've because I already like basically pre-edited. Huh. Okay. Well, I mean that's good. good. I always I always felt bad. I thought you were just like pulling a whole bunch of junk all together. I thought it was a pain in the butt. No, the thing the thing for the dangly bits is, is that I've already pre-done all of that because the dangly bits have been edited in the process of me editing the other parts of the show. Oh, uh, oh, so you like edit the whole thing and then just cut out the dangly bits? Yeah, it's like I go oh. through the compress, I compress everything, I edit everything all together, do the entire show completely, all the way through. And then when we get to a point that needs to be, uh, dangly bits, I typically cut it, cut it, I copy it and cut it. And then I go all the way to the end of the actual audio track, leave a little bit of space, and then paste it there, and then go back to where I copied and cut from. Hmm. Okay. Then, that makes sense. And then, as, and then as I go through the show, Oh, this is a discussion that doesn't need to be here. Cut, put it at the end of the show. This is a discussion that doesn't need to be here. Cut, put it at the end of the show. Oh, I like this one. This can be used for the intro. Cut, put it at the beginning. These, and then go through the dangle and see which ones need to go in the middle. Typically, if we do it correctly and we have the middle sections already kind of pre-set up, I don't even have to cut those. I just put space in, put the music, and put them there. And then once I get to the end of the show after we have the segment, I give myself about... 15 to 30 minutes of in-show dangle bits. And if the dangly bits exceed past that 15 to 30 minute quota, I typically cut the rest and put them into a separate file that they're already set to be held onto. Huh, cool. So everything, so the dangle bits are already pre, already pre-recorded, they're already pre-edited, they're already done. All I have to ever really do is just go in, record the intro saying why we want to be here, record the outro saying the information on how to contact us, and then I just cut the little sound clips to go in between each dangle bit. That's pretty cool. Half the time, oh, I, don't even have, half the time I don't even have to listen to them. I can just like just take it, click it, click it, click, 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 and then go. Hmm. But I listen to them anyway to make sure that there's no dangle bits in there that were accidentally in there that I meant to delete. <laughs> like anytime we happen to have like one of those like long races rants, or <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, did I, did I miss those? Is that, is that is that something that man? I don't know if I want to go back. I mean, I missed the last dangly show, but I don't remember. I don't remember doing that. Like, oh no, shit! I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, you know, like every once in a while, when we have like one of those dangle bits that go a little bit too long, and then I look and I'm like, you know what? I might have to cut that. Anytime you hear me say I might have to cut that, that's typically a dangle bit somewhere where it's like I'm listening to it. It's funny, but one of our listeners is probably going to find that offensive. And if MTG find, and if the MTG cast finds that offensive, they'll cut us. Hmm. So, just to ensure that none of the dangles that I know will most likely offend people, make it through. Okay, I know you I guys are. I, I must, I must miss some of those dangles, man. I don't know. Maybe I should go on the show more often, or maybe not. I don't know. I guess depending on the dangles. Fuck it. Yeah, like, like some of them, like you no, know, some of them predate you. Like some of them do, like come in after, came in afterwards. You yeah. mean, oh, you mean the reason why we don't get five star reviews? Yeah. <laughs> Those reasons. Yeah. Yeah, those reasons. 
Yeah, that's probably yeah. a good reason. Yeah, that's a that's a good they, editing they choice been, there. Yeah, there have been several of those that have been like way worse than what you've been a part um, partake <laughs> has partaken in. Oh boy! <laughs> but but I would have to admit that as a person, my like me personally, I'm not really sensitive to like any of that stuff. In fact, I find most of it just hilarious. I'm the guy who likes South Park, so take with that with a grain of salt, if you will. So typically when one of these types of like dangles occur, most of the time I'm like, that's perfectly fine. I would just let it go. If we were off color cast, I wouldn't even edit it. I'd just let all that shit just fly. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. I, no, I hear you, man. Cast, yeah. But because this is the commander cast and we're supposed to be the flagship premier, like everybody can come listen to it. I don't think no three year old child no, I don't want it I don't like the idea of thinking like my eight year old might pick up an episode of Commander Cast and hear us talking about the tentacle monster and hentai. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably probably best to let those things go. But if he finds it on an old episode of Off Color Cast, and I'm like, hey, oh, at hey. that point, you, at that point, you become a man. Because <laughs> if you can surf the internet and find me saying that stuff on um, Off Color, then that's, yeah, you, that's the rite of passage. So like back yeah. in the day, it used to be like finding your old man's pornos under under his bed or in his closet or something. Now it's finding the Off Color Cast episode with hentai references. Uh, oh, yeah. how, oh, how we've grown up. Like, like, plugged in. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! That was that was the most epic fucking Skype thing that's ever happened on the show. Yes, that's what happens when I have my phone and I'm using it. Someone tried to contact me just now. No! Don't they know you're in the middle of some awesome shit, man? Yeah. No, cause, no, because typically I'm in the middle of some awesome shit on Thursdays. Ah, uh, good point. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! It's, it's um, what's this? It's Tom and Aaron. Yeah, man, this has been this has been a long time since uh Yo, since, since I did the show notes. When, when the hell did we have this? <laughs> this, was, this was March twentieth something. This is, is way back in fucking March, man. That was a long gotcha. ass time ago. I think it was like episode one. Wasn't it like one eighty nine or something? It was like thirty forty episodes ago. And that's at least about it. That, that, that just feels like a year ago. My thing was, is like, if we didn't end up doing the ramp episode, all I was going to do was going to take, like, all right, Mark, pull out one of your decks and shoot it to me over on, um, <laughs> over on MTG, um, on Untapped Out so I can look over it real quick and then I can interview you at a deck builder spotlight on one of your decks. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Hey, man, anything to, anything to kill time? We'll do it as, like, talking points. We'll pick up a community, we'll go to strategy, we'll go to technology. And just kind of like talk through it if as, cause quite frankly, there's no real need to, unless you need to like take a break to go to the bathroom or something. Then if yeah, you do, just like, like cut, yeah, like if we need to take a break or whatever to go through it, then go ahead. Just say like you got to go to the bathroom or whatever and go get some water. If not, then you know, we'll just say the hell with it and just right. try to power through it. I'll just, you know, we'll slip just it in there it. subtly. Yeah. Just Calvin, like I need to urinate. Ah, there we go. And go. that's the end of this segment. Whatever segment this was, we're done with, and we'll we're be done. talking about something else in the next segment. Stay nice. tuned. And that's, that's going to be the transition. <laughs> oh, right. awesome. And in the middle, it's like, we're just going to hear, like, water pouring into a <laughs> cup, and that's going to be like, yeah, you can go, like, mark in the background. Mmm. <laughs> ah. Yep. And then just kind of move on, man. I'm good with that. Okay, <laughs> close the door. Thank you. My daughter decided to walk in here. And she was like, Daddy, what are you doing? I'm recording. Oh, thank you. Ouch. Daddy, what are you doing with your life? You know, just some yeah. real, yeah. real deep stuff like, from, a, from a kid at Friday yeah. night. 
my three-year-old daughter is, is telling, is basically letting me know what our listeners are thinking right now. Damn, Daddy, what's going on here? God. But anyway, <laughs> like I'm the one person that actually voted for Morath. And the only reason I did it was You'll because, be like, here, last week, I think someone told me that uh, Marath had no votes. Mark? Oh, I'm sorry, man. So, remember, we were talking about drunken people coming back? My wife was just telling me drunken stories, so... And then also making fun of me because I farted in the room, so... Uh, just, yeah, get, go, go on, hey, you and the Cosmos... No, you can't get me. Get out! Get Go, drunk people! Damn! Hey. So. I, like you didn't have to mute them. Like I would have totally interacted. Like hello, lady. <laughs> no, no, believe me. Like I, I muted for a good reason. So everyone, everyone out there is happy. But anyway, yeah. So morass from the top, man. And the song, it was a song of the dam- songs of the damned. I am messing that up completely. Because <laughs> dark ritual was a single black. It was a spell. I believe it was a sorcery. Correct. Uh, no, it's an instant, I think. Uh, dark Rich, dark Rich is an int. Well, let me just, let me just check. Oh, God okay. damn, I gotta go fact check. I gotta go pull out stuff. Dark Ritual. Dark Ritual is an instant. Oh man, Dark Ritual is better than I remember. Uh, well, man. Hey, this is awesome, dude. Uh, now is the time when I do say I do have to urinate, though. Alright, well, um, you could have said that like an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> I would have. I, I did have to couple. urinate an hour ago. <laughs> so, yeah. Medicast.com.